Tonight on the Bill Simmons Podcast, we're going to be talking to Stu Gotts from the Dan Lebertard Show about Miami's predicament in the 2020 finals, along with what is it like to be a Jets fan in 2020? We're also going to talk to Mallory Rubin and Nora Princiati about the football season. And I'm going to do million-dollar picks and try to rebound from a disastrous week three. That is all coming up. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need. Have coverage options to protect the things you value most. File claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? First half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time. That's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside LDA 21 and up. And now our friends from Pearl Jam. I should have called this guy last round. I didn't have the balls. (laughs) <laughs> Miami was playing Boston. I was nervous about it. I thought Miami was really good. Miami ended up winning. I, I went into hiding, and now now I've come out of hiding. Right. I bet on your team, Stugatz. I had it, them in six, 10 to one odds, and I was feeling really good when they're up 23 to 10 in game one, and then all hell broke loose, and now Goran Dragic is basically limping around and has a torn, whatever the hell that thing's called. Bam right. is doubtful for game two. Bam was like a superhero in the Celtics series. Dragic destroyed us. Now uh, now I'm just in a spiral. I, 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 I'm so <laughs> bummed out. What, what's it like in Miami today? How are the, uh, how's the attic doing? I, oh, who are you I was, hearing I was from? just up there. You're hearing a Hondo? Who are you hearing from? Butch Hobson? <laughs> <laughs> why do I always go Butch Hobson with you? I don't know why. I don't know. Yeah, I was uh, up the ref from the too many the men in the ice game. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was I was up there in the attic just moving stuff around thinking about that Miami series. But did you did you, before last night did you talk yourself into the heat actually winning this finals cuz I did. Um I didn't talk myself. Here's the interesting thing I think about the bubble bills when you remove it doesn't feel like the normal NBA playoffs for obvious reasons. I think much of the NBA playoffs is about going on the road at big spots and having those big games with 30,000 fans uh, screaming at you while you're doing it. Tyler Hero hasn't done that yet. He's yeah. had big games in the bubble on a neutral court. These guys play games, walk back to their hotel, 
walk back to the complex, and they play in the same court with different logos. And so you're not really getting the true NBA playoff experience. And therefore, I I thought headed into the series, the Heat had a chance because of the neutral court. You're taking travel and fans out of it. I still feel like they have a chance, but those injuries are definitely concerning. I will tell you, 23 to 10, I was thinking a four-game sweep. We're going to have a parade down here in Miami. i got to be honest with you. And so are you, Simmons. Like, you were counting your money already, I bet, right? Well, I like the way the ball was moving. They were getting open shots. Um, the Lakers looked a little discombobulated, and then it all fell apart. If I had picked two guys going into this series that were the indispensable Heat players. I actually would have picked Dragic and Bam over Butler and anyone else on the roster because Dragic, so many mismatch possibilities with him and that Lakers team. You know, they're susceptible to those crafty point guards who can break their defense, all that stuff. And then Bam, he's really the only the only line of defense against AD, even when he got those two fouls before he got hurt. Right. That's when it all fell apart. As soon as he left the game, it was all of a sudden Solomon Hill's out there and it's like, what's happening? Yeah, because, right, the Solly Hill. I mean, Solomon Hill, they're so depleted right now. Solomon Hill might get a start. I mean, he might. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, we've been making fun of those minutes. It's kind of like when Spo, back when the big three were down here, just decided to be a good idea to start Dexter Pittman one game. If you Oh, my God. That. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Against the Pacers. Um, Bam's been great. It, what you're seeing, I think, with with this series, and early on, it's only a game, and Bam says he's going to play, even though he's listed uh, as doubtful, Gordon probably not going to play. Jimmy Butler going to be fine. I think what you're seeing uh, with Anthony Davis is what Bam's going to look like five or six years from now. I think mm. they're, they have similar skill sets, similar body types, but Anthony Davis is just more mature. Bill, I'm not certain Anthony Davis, when you team him up with LeBron, I mean, we've not, have you, Bill, is there a comparison point for him in terms of being 6'11", being able to hit the three, take guys off the dribble? Maybe it's Giannis. I don't know. But I'm not certain Anthony Davis right now is not the best player in the game. Well, it's I was saying last night on Rosillo's podcast, It's we really haven't seen this since 2001 when, when Shaq was still in his peak and Kobe was really turning into Co the young superstar Kobe in a lot of different right. ways, where it was just yes. like night to night, quarter to quarter, one of the two guys is just eviscerating the other team. And and you're right. Like when he's hitting threes and stuff, how do you it just stop seems, that? It seems, it just seems unfair. It's like, no, you can't have that. Come on. <laughs> you have so many other things. Defensively. I thought he was dominant yesterday. And, you know, I asked Rosella this question. I'm going to ask you, what does his final stat line have to look like in the finals for him to win the MVP? When you think about all the LeBron, the media oh, wow. cronies, the LeBron narrative, how badly his generation wants LeBron to be the GOAT, all that stuff. Like, they, do you think Davis has to go 40 and 15 in the finals? Like, does he have to ha average 40 points a game? What, what would it be the tipping point for him? Shoot 70% from the field? It seems really silly. What was the stat line from last night? Let's just start there for a second because I love this conversation. I am glad. Wasn't that it we like 30, 34 and 15, something like that? And Hold on. I'm going to check it right now. 35 well, minutes. 34 and 15 is not going to get him the MVP. No, he's got to <laughs> Davis, you got to step it up. I mean, what a lousy game. Yeah. Uh, he, he had 34 points, nine rebounds, and five assists. Uh, that's yeah, not good enough. Yeah, not good enough. Short. Bill, I'm with you. No, I think you have to be north of 40 points per game, right? Uh, somewhere around 15 rebounds a game. 
somewhere in the neighborhood of four or five assists a game with a couple of steals and a couple of blocks. And, and a game winner. He may, and, and, and even then he may not win it. I mean. And a so, game winner. Yeah, right. it was so funny last night when Mark Jackson, who, you know, he, he loves LeBron. He's a huge fan. And at right. some point he started talking about, you know, LeBron doesn't get enough credit for how much better he's made Anthony Davis or whatever he said. There was this pause and Van Gundy's like, he didn't make Anthony Davis better. Anthony Davis is already really good. His situation has changed, <laughs> right. which is how I feel. I think it makes you better to play with somebody else who's awesome, but it's not like Davis is tapping into this new form of his talents. Like the guy was always one of the most prodigiously talented players of this decade. Uh, he was a top 10 guy before he got to the Lakers. And now all you've done is simply combine him with a top three guy in the NBA. Maybe the, you know, top three guy we've ever seen yeah. uh, in, in the NBA. So it's, but Jeff Van Gundy's right. Like, that's funny. Like, yeah, I, I would say if anything, Anthony Davis, because you look at the Lakers last year, they were very good without Anthony Davis. And LeBron was still playing at a pretty high level. I would say if anything, Anthony Davis has helped LeBron more than LeBron has kind of helped Anthony. He's prolonged LeBron's career and chances no of winning titles. That's it, you know? And he's taken a ton of pressure off him. He's allowed him to be more of a playmaker. Correct. He yes. said last night he thought LeBron's passing was the best part of his game, which, you know, is a good argument. I'm not positive I agree, but that's how good his passing is that somebody would say that. Well, what I do think, you think is the best part of his game? How smart he is. And it's funny yeah. because he's also yes. one of the five greatest athletes that's probably ever played basketball, but I think it's his brain. And even like, I remember writing this when he left Miami in 2014 and tried to spin it as this whole, I'm coming home, Cleveland. It was like, no way. He right. knows that he, that Miami roster is done and that yes. he can't win titles with where they are. He knows Wade's at a different point. It's just him and Bosch and they don't have the salary to add other people and they have no chance. I've so he said, knew that. Yeah, I've always said he's he's very calculated and it, him and, and his I guess his team, the guys that he put around him, Maverick and all those guys, Rich Paul, uh, I think they've had his entire career kind of laid out for him. Like they, like yeah. every step of the way, he knew Miami four years, bring it full circle, go back to Cleveland, win them a title, and then I'm going out to LA. I'm convinced he knew all of this before he even came down to Miami, you know? Wow. See, yes. I think if Miami was awesome and was the best basketball situation, I think he would have stayed for as long as that was the case. So you do. Yeah, if you rip through the Spurs in 2014, let's say like that comeback in 13, you you ruin them. They're not they're never the same. And then you run over whoever in 2013. I I just think he does one year contracts until it ends. How much bitterness is there in Miami at this point for LeBron six years later? Here's where the bitterness comes from because of what you and I are discussing, and you know how calculated he is, and you know how well thought out he is, and how smart he is. The bitterness comes from this. First off, there is appreciation because we got four years of one of yeah. the greatest teams in sports history. And we got four years of one of the greatest athletes that we've ever seen in any sport. Yeah. And I think and Miami's super grateful for that. Uh, but you do have a guy, and it's why he was criticized for doing it, who got on the stage before he played a single game and promised him eight years and only gave him four. Mm -hmm. And so Heat fans do not forget that. Um, he said he was going to uh, deliver eight titles. He delivered two. Uh, delivered an embarrassing loss to the Mavericks the first year where he couldn't post up J.J. Perea. And then here's where it really gets problematic in terms of how Heat fans feel about LeBron James. If you think it was calculated, if you think it was planned out that after four years in Miami, he'd go back to Cleveland and try to win that city a title, which he did, 
which really felt like winning two titles, right, for LeBron James. Um, if you believe that's the case, you know if they beat the Spurs, Bill, in that fourth season, LeBron can't leave Miami after winning a third consecutive title. And yeah. I think what fans start doing, and this is the problem with LeBron, because I know Celtic fans went through the Eastern Conference Finals game. LeBron could give you a great stat line where it appears like he's giving max effort, but you're left scratching your head. Is he really giving max effort? Because if they win that series, LeBron has to come back and they 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 try to win a fourth title. Yeah. The fact that he had a cramp issue, you know, he had quad issues. The guy's a machine. He's a robot. He's never injured. And then all of a sudden he's injured and complaining about the air conditioning in the San Antonio arena. And then he doesn't come back and goes back to Cleveland. That's where people are a little skeptical. They scratch their head and they don't believe LeBron James, quite frankly. You know, well, they, they, maybe he tanked that series. You know, you're not saying that's rational, though, because I do not think he. I think he went all out in that series. I think the Spurs were just way better than. Them. But so you're saying some well, I'm saying fans, he can't. I'm saying he can't leave if they win that series. He cannot go back to point. Cleveland if he wins that series. So yes, Miami fans are wondering. I think LeBron has this magic ability where he can put up stat lines that look like historically when we look back. Oh, how, you, who, people were claiming that guy wasn't trying. He put up thirty nine and yep. nine, right? But I think LeBron is so good where he could do that and still tank a series. And you feel like his heart's not totally in it. Yeah, I could see it. it if he, if it was your favorite team and you lost and you're trying, and then he leaves and you're just going to the angriest places. I think the one thing that Bill, I hate myself for thinking like this. By the way, well, but that's that's why you're you, though. I mean, come on. This is right, where you no, but what I'm doing is th these are my thoughts and I'm pawning them off on the city of Miami. <laughs> I'm couching it like under their umbrella. Yeah. Other people may be like, he doesn't speak for us. Uh, <laughs> right. In 2011, you know, I, it's funny because that was nine years ago. And I actually think it's, it's been understated how bad he was in that series. And I, I was looking back at stuff I wrote from that year. And in game four, the famous game when he completely is an all-time MIA. Right. And there were real stats to back it up that his usage rate in that game was by far the lowest of any playoff game he ever played. And of his, of his career of like the, you know, the previous eight years or something, there was actual advanced metrics to support how I, little involved he was in that game, which backed up being there in person where you're just going, Oh my God, he's, he's running from this. And right. you know, you think like the next year he flipped it. And since that moment, 2012, all the way through, I, I think he's brought it every year. I really think 14, I can't hang that on him because I just think your team wasn't good enough, you know, and the Spurs game three, game four, game five. I remember going on TV before game five and being like, this series is over. Like they, yes. they've been up 20 points the last two games. They, they weren't even close. I don't, I don't think Miami has enough to beat him. And I, I think he saw the writing on the wall and I think he saw it in Cleveland too. I think he's yep. so smart as a basketball mind that he just assesses it. Like he's fucking Schwarzenegger in the Terminator. And right. he's just looking at it with his x-ray vision and he, and he just sees like the weakness. Yes. And then he's like, I'm out. He did it last year with the Lakers. He, he played did. with those young dudes for 20 games. He's like, I'm out. Lonzo right. ball, you, not happening. Get not only am guy. I out, but get them all the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I'm injured. Trade them. Uh, <laughs> and go get but, me and go get me Anthony Davis. But let's be honest, right? Because the year before they should have lost to the Spurs. So that Spurs team was it a really out. 
Yes, it evened out. So they should have lost to the Spurs that third season they were together. But that game you're talking about, Eastern, it was an Eastern Conference final game, right? Which one? Before he left and came to Miami, it was Cavs-Boston. Was that a... Is that an Eastern Conference final game? The one where he took his jersey. 2010, off. yeah. Game five, right. game six. He well, game five, he 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 disappeared. Right. But is that game the usage six, rate? Right. No, the, the usage rate game was game four Dallas, 2011. Oh, the game four Dallas. Okay, I think he had gotcha. eight points. Right. And yeah. uh, you know, it's the game four Dallas actually made the last two games of the Cleveland Boston series make more sense. Right. Because yeah. It, something it's his brain was trying to process whatever the other team was doing. And just, it kind of like short circuited both years. Right. And that yeah. was the last time that happened yeah, after yeah. that. Like he could figure out anything on a basketball court, but I mean, um, he figured out how to beat the warriors basically by himself. Right. So, well, even in 2018, when they lost, when they got swept the J.R. Smith, uh, boner game, yeah. J.R. Smith committed a boner, <laughs> yeah. but LeBron, LeBron had figured out how to really attack that Warriors team. That Warriors team was, you know, an iconic team. And he was yeah. going at him one-on-one. Yeah, I'm excited him. for the final. Really, because this, fi- this finals is probably done if Dragic is out and Bam is hurt. So the it, finals MVP argument is, like, really the only drama we have left. I know. And it's Anthony. I'm telling you, it's going to have to be. Now I'm thinking about it. It's going to have to be north of 50 points a game. I mean, there's no scenario in which they're winning a title and LeBron's not getting finals MVP unless Anthony Davis does something that we've never seen before. Uh, I am. I am interested. How do you feel about what I said? Because, Bill, you love basketball. You love the playoff. You love the chase for a title. Yeah. Does this feel like playoff basketball to you? With no fans, no travel, no having to go on the road and hit big shots. And like rookies don't play as well on the road. Role players don't play as well on the road historically in the NBA playoffs. Does this feel anything close to you in terms of NBA playoff basketball? It does. Really? I'm I'm actually okay with it. I just think okay. every year in the playoffs, there's different variables, right? In 2012, the first title LeBron won in Miami, that was the shortened season and everything was condensed and, you know, Derrick Rose blew out his knee in round one. And it was like, could you tie that to the fact that he had played all those games before then? Like, yeah, maybe. Right. Um, and that was kind of a war of attrition yeah. in its own way. OKC ends up making the finals that year, basically because they have young legs, right. you know, Miami made yes. it because they had the best team. So I think when you go backwards and you start looking at different postseason, sometimes they just have Weird, like 1999 was the most famous one, the 50 game right. season and the Spurs sure. end up winning. So the variables, even though we we lost home court and stuff like that, there's other variables, right? Like being in the bubble, it ruined the Clippers. You know, they weren't tight as yeah. a team. Right. Um, they, as soon as when they had that, the vote about whether to boycott the rest of the playoffs and all that stuff, they were one of the two teams that voted. We well, want to get out of here, which I thought was interesting, but you know, they well, couldn't me- handle it. Let me try it this way. If if we had playoffs the traditional way with fans travel, all that stuff, you think the Heat are up 2-0 uh, coming back to Miami? Like they win two games in Milwaukee? Well, evidence would say no because right. <laughs> who was the last under four seed to even make the finals? Wasn't it like the 99 Knicks? Uh, I think, it, yeah. The, uh, I think we had like season. a 20-year run of you had to be a top four seed to make the finals. It might have even yeah. been higher than that. Yeah, I think so, it was the 99 X. Yeah, Spreewell on the flip side, guys. though, I will say this about Miami: the 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 Iguodala Crowder trade, combined with Hero just getting better as the year long, like really did transform them. Like there were real reasons they were better than their record heading into the playoffs, which I think were a little unusual, right? 
Yeah, well, no doubt. What's really cool about this this particular Heat team is that Riley and and listen, we have fun. Uh, me, Dan, you, we have fun. We take shots back and forth. But I know you respect the hell out of Riley because you're Bill Simmons. You wrote the book of basketball, like you know. Riley's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. Ry- Riley, and he, he, like is. he and he should be. He's great. Um, I'm not certain that he's not better as a as an executive than he was as a head coach, which is which is pretty amazing when you consider how good of a head coach he was. But I think the beauty the, the beauty of this team is we had people, Bill, I remember having this discussion with you, and I agree with you. If Jimmy Butler is your best player, you're not going anywhere. Uh, yeah. Jimmy Butler is their best. Now, if Jimmy Butler is your third best player, then you're really on to something. But he did this. I think, see, I think Bam's their best player, and that's the misnomer with this Miami team. But anyway. Well, I think that's the cool thing about this team is that Pat rebuilt this this quickly, and he did it primarily through the draft with Bam, and with yep. Tyler Hero, with two draft picks. And now you have to think this would be an attractive spot for someone like Giannis or other free agents because you have your Jimmy Butler as a number two. You have yep. a young core in Bam and Tyler Hero. And you have this guy, Pat Riley, who's overseeing all of it with a great coach at Eric Spolstra. And so I think Riley has really positioned this team, not just for the now, it's amazing they're in the finals, but for the next five or ten years, they might have... Riley and the Heat might have another run in them, which I think is pretty amazing considering uh, how quickly that that big three fell apart, you know? And they had some bad luck. The Bosch thing was bad luck. He would still be on totally. the team and would be in probably an 18 and 8 kind of guy. I wrote when Durant was a free agent in 2016, I wrote a whole piece about Riley. Basically, just what a huge advantage it is to have the combo of no state tax, uh, an iconic NBA city. Yes. a top three or four city that any NBA superstar would want to live in. Right. And then the culture of some real titles and, and real success on top of the Riley thing. And that meeting you have with Riley, when he puts the rings on the table in front of you and all that shit. And yes. the moment Jimmy Butler signed with them, I was like, of course he's probably, they were probably jerking off each other over the rings. Like how great <laughs> it was. Oh yeah. Heat culture. It's like all Jimmy Butler ever wanted. He was all about like, I just want to be with dudes who care about winning. I, you know, he couldn't even stand Joel and beat Ben Simmons. Like you know, Riley, in that whole dynamic, you know, Riley and Spolster never got to the pitch portion. He never, Riley never got to the dumping of the rings on the table at the Oh, restaurant. he never did that with Butler. No, no Butler's Butler, like, I'm in already. You don't even Jimmy, need to waste it. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy said, I'm in like after the appetizers, Jimmy said, I'm in, you don't need oh to do my the pitch. I am, I am good. So, well, um, I think it's really, I always respect, I felt this way about, uh, Indiana a few years ago. And it's happened a couple of times where a team has become a real contender without a top five lottery pick. It's the yeah. hardest thing to do in sports, you know, and, and basically yes. Adebayo and Harrow are 13 and 14. Butler's a free agent. They, you know, made an aggressive trade for Dragic. They where did. They gave up two unprotected firsts. I love the trade. A lot of people didn't. They thought it was too risky to give up those unprotected picks. And, you know, over and over again, they've they've made smart moves. The Winslow trade was smart. That guy's always hurt. Super and smart. he was kind of worth more than on paper than it actually was to have him. But yeah. I, I really respect... You know, I think the heat culture thing, everybody's having a lot of fun making fun of that lately. I always thought of it more like a DNA thing. Like I, I just, I said that on my pod a few weeks ago, cause I was picking them every round in the bubble. I, I picked them to make the finals. I, uh, you I picked them feel, to beat, you picked them to beat the Celtics. I picked them before the, before the playoffs started oh, the, to make whole the thing. finals. Yeah. Good job. Out um, of you, Bill. Every round. I just, they, that, and that was what was missing last night. 
because they're a team that was always winning 50-50 balls. They were just fucking tough. Right. And they didn't look tough last night. They they, they looked weak and they weren't winning the 50-50 balls. I don't know if it was deer in the headlights or what was going on. They looked beat. They looked like, hey, like maybe they, they were. Like, like it looked like like to me, it looked like Bam saying to himself, Hey, uh, that's me in five or six years. That's a better version of me and Anthony Davis. And Jimmy Butler's like, Hey, that's a better version of me and right. LeBron James. We cannot beat this team, right? But that's yeah. what the that's why I mean, that's why LeBron wanted AD so badly to set this up. So they can my theory for why I wanted to take them was I didn't think they were going to respect LeBron, which, right. and I mean that in a positive way. I think LeBron is such an icon at this point and you watch these playoff teams. They're so deferential to him. Yes. Denver was like, they weren't pressuring him. They weren't shit talking to him. They weren't hard fouling him. Right. It was like an honor to play against him. It's like, this is the fucking Western finals. Step yes. it up. And I right. felt like Miami wasn't going to do that. Even last night, there was a moment, Jay Crowder, he had two things. One, he tried to like basically ruin his shoulder, Dwayne Wade style. I say if he pulled uh, just ground. a little bit harder, yeah, Bill, just, just a little bit <laughs> back to the right, Jay. Uh, but then he had that other thing where he he hard fouled him, and then he just kept staring at him, and the yes. camera caught him, and he was just like doing like the crazy. Uh, who was the guy in Godfather Two who sta who stares down uh, Frankie Five Fingers? Oh God, Bill! I'm not remember, gonna remember. His, his brother yes. comes in from Italy, and he's just like stink eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. I don't remember the name. Of the so guy. Jay Crowder did like that. The the stare, and it was, and LeBron's kind of like, dude, come on, right? This, this series is a wrap already. You already lost Dragic, right? What do you stink eye me for? Yeah, but, and people people are gonna laugh at the Dragic stuff, but he was playing the best basketball of his career uh, before he got injured, and so it's interesting because I. So I thought the Heat would have a good shot in this bubble because I know how prepared they would be yeah. and I know how serious they would take this thing because that's the way Spolster and Riley are. And then I felt like the Lakers were the clear favorites, not just because of the talent, but because of how much LeBron's battling father time right now. So he knows yeah. this championship is so important to him. And so I knew he would take it, you know, he'd be more serious about this than, than anyone else would be. And so... Uh, here we well, are. You could LeBron. certainly see that in the Denver game five where he had, he was carrying himself in a way that yes. he, well, you could see it. He was like, he could smell it. Yeah. And, and he said at the end, it was winning time. He was guarding Jamal Murray. He said, yeah, that's because it was winning time. Right. I wouldn't write off this Miami team as bleak as it sounds. Last well, night I was like, it's, over. it's going to be a sweep. I just think they're, they're tough and they're going to ugly it up. They'll play zone. They'll do a couple hard fouls. They're going to beat the shit out of Davis. They'll play Kelly Olenek and Myers Leonard more. And right. just try to pound Davis, hard foul him as much as they can. They'll hard foul. They're going to use all their fouls. They're going to make it really physical and ugly and try to start some shit because they're, they're not rolling over. And no. the frustrating thing for me is like you mentioned Dragic before, like I, people have no idea how good that dude is. That dude destroyed Boston. Yeah. And that, especially in the first two games of the series, he made a couple contested threes that were like backbreakers, you know, where it's like he played perfect defense. And then he's like, all right, I'll just hit this 25 foot fall away over your center. Yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck? We couldn't have done any better. And I, 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 th I, he's obviously so important, but I don't, I don't see Miami rolling over. I don't think they can win the series without him, but I don't think they'll roll over either. What if, what if I, well, there's two funny things here. So uh, first off, I've been, I've been saying you have to start Udonis Haslam. He's got six fouls. He does not give a shit oh, about LeBron James. And oh just my let, God. Him, let him do his best to deliver those six fouls and somehow take out Anthony Davis or LeBron. Is he on the <laughs> roster? Yeah, of course he is. He's the last guy in the bench. Of course oh, that's is. a brilliant idea. Thank Why wouldn't you. they do that? 
Right, just let Udonis go in there and muck it up. Right, if they start him one game and just six hard fucking fouls on LeBron James, <laughs> he just comes out for the jump ball, and just shoves Davis. Yeah, Davis goes up and, and Haslam just punches him right in the stomach. Right, um, gets kicked so the, out. Yes, yeah, so there's that. But if I tell you that Dragic does not return for this series, because I don't think that he will, Bill, do you still feel like that he'd have a chance? Because I don't. Not when no, I, I actually don't. Okay. I don't. I think right. the whole case for them was the totality of the team versus the two guys who are the best guys in the series. And right. that's a Jenga stack, and you pull out a block, and the stack crumbles. I just felt like Bam, Butler, Dragic, those are your three key guys. And then you're hoping one of Hero or Robinson every game getting hot, which is what happened against the Celtics series. Then right. you get the random Iguodala quarter like he had in game six. The, Jay get the random Jay game. Crowder quarter. Right. Yeah. Um, I actually think Olinick can be a guy like that in this series because he has done it in playoff games where he'll have like the random 15-point quarter, things like that. So I think they have to play him. Yeah. But yeah. Well, he, played a lot, he played a lot in game one. So, I mean, I think clearly moving forward, they'll have to. You're right. Their best chance is... Davis having an awesome game too, and then complaining afterwards that he has no chance of winning the finals MVP. <laughs> and, and then there's a we all know the how this is played out. Yeah, it just blows up the locker. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? First half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time. That's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside. LDA 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, award-winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others, real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Before we go, where does this jet season rank for you? One to 10 for, um, oh, just Jesus. having your soul ripped out of your body. Um, it's the worst. Uh, I, I'm, you think listen, it's the worst. Wow. I'm numb to it. It's the worst bill. Cause not only are we bad, um, there's no one on our roster where I could say like, wow, okay, there's the future. It's not the quarterback. It's not the head coach. The head coach is about to get fired. Yeah, uh, and by the way, for everyone listening to this, and I know there's millions of people listening uh, to each episode, uh, I dare you to watch the Broncos and Jets tonight. <laughs> Go ahead. Right. I dare. And by the way, we played a funny game on our show the other day, Bill. Name the best player on the field tonight. <laughs> Go ahead. Good luck. Oh, who is it? Is it Bradley it be, Chubb? 
that's what Mike Ryan said. In the absence of Von Miller, Le'Veon Bell, probably Bradley out. Chubb. <laughs> Bradley My question Chubb. is, what a sad state of affairs, man. Let's say you had like a seven-year-old Jets fan as your son. Yeah. And he's like, I need a jersey. What uh, jersey are you buying this poor, tortured seven-year-old Jets fan? Um, like, because I, I, like, before you would at least have said, oh, Jamal Adams. He's cool. He'll be on the team a while. Great. All pro safety. Yeah. But now um, it's like. That is a great question. So it, it has to be from the current roster. I can't go from the back. current I roster. No, I can't I, get him. I can't get him a guest in a jersey. I can't I, do that. I think that's the answer. I think you have to go throwback. I or, think you or have Braxton to. Berrios. Maybe it's a Braxton Berrios because it's he's little and the kid's little. Maybe that's the move. I don't know. I mean, and he's uh, Chris Hogan. <laughs> oh my God. Well, you know how bad the Pats receivers have been the last couple of years. Like we cut Chris Hogan. Yeah, Braxton Berrios couldn't get off the practice squad, and now yep. those guys are starting for the Jets. It's really it's, crazy. By the way, congratulations on losing the greatest quarterback of all time and still having the best quarterback in the division. Uh, I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Fuck you. I mean, <laughs> it's been so wonderful. Plus, like Bra Brady's doing a lot of the stuff he did last year. Yes, and he looks it, good though, Bill. It can, <laughs> no, but he really he kind of secretly doesn't though. Right. Okay. Because he he doesn't. I mean, you know him better. So. Hit. He's he's still missing throws. Like he's playing like a forty three year old guy. I think Breeze is playing like an old guy too. Yeah, it happens, uh, man. You get old. You're right. Uh, listen, it's not you an easy camp. position. No, you're you're right. I mean, listen. Some people would argue Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the AFC East. I would I would tell you no. I'd rather have. Kim yeah, that's Newton. a settled down. Right for the next five years. Listen for the Jets. I'm numb to it. This is this is the way it is. I am 45 years old. I've never seen him play in a Super Bowl. I've seen him play in a couple of AFC Championship games. Two with Mark Sanchez. One, I believe, with Keyshawn and Vinny Testaverde. Yeah. Um, up 10 nothing at half against the Broncos. I was going to say, a, cl yeah. a way closer game than I think people remember. Yeah, it was 10. Well, they, were, they had a 10-point lead at half. And so yeah. I, thought, I thought we were going to the Super Bowl. This has been, this is a very frustrating season. Couple of things. I liked Adam Gase when they hired him. So I thought that was a good hire. And I have waited my entire life to be friends with the head coach of the Jets. Yeah. I'm legitimate friends with Adam Gase. Oh. And so I am upset that Gase is going to get fired here. I am going to go from being good friends with the Jets head coach to being good friends with the Jags, the next Jags offensive coordinator. Right. I mean, tough and, and, and so, tough and so that's a tough one. But I was telling Lebitor the other day, and I'll tell you the same thing. This has been the worst season. I am nearing a point, Bill, where I have I've grown exhausted. And I, like I don't even want to watch the games anymore. And I blame one person. And that one person is is Joe Walton. Uh, do you remember? <laughs> Joe Walton, one of the original nose pickers. Yes. Uh, yeah. he was the coach in the early 80s. Okay. Oh, yeah. Richard and Todd. Yes, that, guys, yeah. Dan was cracking up when I, when I was talking about this, but the reason I blame Walton is because as a kid, all right, you have a choice in New York. You could be a Jets fan. You could be a Giants fan. You could be an Islanders fan. You could be a Rangers fan. You could be, uh, we're unfortunately we're all saddled with the Knicks. Okay. Yeah. Mets, um, Yankees. You could be a Mets fan. You could be a Yankees fan. So you have choices. The Jets under coach Walton were just good enough. Okay. Playing in Shea stadium. They were just good enough with the sack exchange with Richard Todd and the long flowing hair coming out of the helmet and Wesley Walker, who was our best wide receiver. Yeah. They were just good enough and just entertaining enough 
where I chose to be a Jet fan as opposed to being a Giant fan. And so I blame Walton for that because he was just good enough as a head coach to make the Jets relevant enough for me as a kid to be a fan of the New York Jets. So I Yeah, that's a tough because the seesaw. I'm blaming the 82 head coach of the New York Jets for why. Yeah, and, and you didn't know about LT yet. If it's like one year later, yeah, maybe you're like, you. LT, I'm in on yeah, that guy. Yeah, yes, Parcells. I was just a couple of years away from uh, Parcells, Belichick, LT, Harry Carson, Phil Sims. Oh, man. Yes, and Joe Walton. That's tough. That's a tough story. All right, say hi to uh, Levitard and the crew for me. I will. And say hi to all the demons in the attic for me. Okay? I will. Say hi to the, Le <laughs> the Levitard culture. You guys got to start talking about the Levitard culture, like the heat well, culture. How, how would you define that culture? I just the Levitard culture. Hardworking, lunch pail, yep. lunch pail people <laughs> built around a host that doesn't watch sports. It's a lunch pail culture. <laughs> all right. Thanks for coming out, Stugatz. Uh, anytime. Uh, home and home. Yeah. <laughs> don't you got don't it. think I forget these bills. <laughs> I know. I know you don't. <laughs> All right. Uh, you're great, man. And uh, good right. luck. Good luck with that heat ticket, man. I hope it comes in for you. Thank you. All right. Okay. I'll see you later. All right. See you, buddy. Hey, you've probably heard about FanDuel's Sportsbook's world-class sports betting app by now. Remember, FanDuel makes it easy to find and place your bets. They've got some of the best odds you'll find anywhere. FanDuel Sportsbook throwing a little gasoline on the fire with a $10 risk-free same-game parlay for all customers. It's the only place with the same game parlay. You combine multiple bets from one matchup or team into a single parlay. And when all the legs of the parlay hit, you win even more than if you bet separately. And if you don't win, we'll refund your bet up to $10 in site credit. So go big. I'm going to have a little parlay for you when we do million dollar picks in a second. If sports betting is legal in your state, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to make your same game parlay today for week four. If not, Go play their NFL contest with FanDuel Fantasy. And if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, be sure to sign up with promo code BS so they know I sent you that as promo code BS. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Iowa is 800 Bets off. All right, time for million dollar picks. Joe House is here. Haven't had a lot of house on the uh, on the Thursday night NFL podcast because he's been busy. He hosts Fairway Rolling for us, our excellent golf podcast with Nathan Hubbard, and then on Fridays on Ringer NFL, a new show that uh, we have this year with Warren Sharp, expert analytics expert, knows a lot of stuff, and House and him are doing a little gambling preview of the weekend on that. If you missed it, so it, you know. Hey, it's hard to book you for this stuff, but I needed you. I'm, I'm getting my ass kicked this week. Well, I appreciate the invite. I always say yes. And uh, yeah, I'm having a great time with Brother Warren. It is literally, he is literally sharp and I am literally an average Joe. So yeah. I think it's a pretty good matchup. I'm learning a lot each week. One thing that I uh, have learned that doesn't have anything to do with Warren Sharp is the last time I was on this podcast... I was not sober and the, uh, Denver, the Denver basketball team, God bless the Denver nuggets. They're, they're good. Jokic is good. Jamal Murray. Very good. The fans of the Denver nuggets, they have an interesting sense of humor. That's the way I'll put it. Oh, you, they felt like you disparaged the nuggets and they attacked well, you. I mean, I was drunk and I did say, I did say the number of games I thought that they were going to win resembled the shape of my 
my saggy uh, oval shaped balls, you know, kind yeah. of a zero shape. They didn't like and that. They didn't like that, which is mm-hmm. understandable. Kudos to Denver. Apologies to all the fans of the Nuggets. I'm a fan of the Nuggets now. I, I honestly was outraged yeah, we, by the way that Lakers series went. We loved them. Yeah. So on Sunday, I thought I was going to sweep million dollar picks. And instead, I lost Falcons minus three. Disastrous. Big Dick Nick comeback. Uh, just pulled out. I won the Bengals against the Eagles. Cowboys plus five against the Seahawks. Somehow I didn't cover that. It took two missed extra points. It took Seattle getting a two point and it took Seattle somehow getting a touchdown at the tail end of the game instead of the game winning field goal, which never happens. And then I had Rams plus two against the bills. That was cruel. That really, that actually hurt my feelings. I was upset with that one as well. And then I had a tease with the cards in Tampa and the cards just let me down. That was the only one I actually was like, I had to look in the mirror on that one. I think I overrated the cards a little bit. So had all that stuff happen, then did bet on Miami 10 to one odds to win in six, which you joined me on. We like that as a long shot bet. And within 40 minutes, Drogic is <laughs> torn something in his foot, Bam's hurt and that ship sailed. And then to cap it all off, pick the White Sox as my baseball playoff team, put a little on them so I could have a, a playoff team and they completely choked. I don't know how they lost to Oakland. So house, I'm reeling. I really needed you right now. Well, here, here we are. We, we're going to write the ship right now. There are a bunch of opportunities on this week for slate. So I, I'm interested yeah. to hear what you have cooked up my brother. Well, I'm going to give you the stayaways first. Go ahead. Um, Dolphins plus six and a half home in steamy Florida against Seattle, who everybody loves. And meanwhile, Seattle, no pass rush. Secondary has been pretty bad. They, they feel beatable on the right week. I initially was going to tease Seattle. And the more I thought about it, I became scared of them. And then I realized as I was scared of them, like, oh, maybe the Dolphins as a possible. As you're you're straight up uh, uh, upset of the week. Yeah, or straight or or money line or money maybe line. put them in a long shot parlay. But then I remembered Russell Wilson's on the Seahawks. So I'm staying away from that one. Browns plus four and a half against the Cowboys. So you watched the Browns play the Washington almost professional football team last week. And there's a world in which if Haskins doesn't defecate all over himself, his teammates, the field, uh, gamblers, whatever that they actually might've been in that game because their defense was pretty good. They, I like Gibson. I like McLaurin. Um, they have some pieces, but he was so bad that, um, I almost don't know how to judge the Browns from that. There's a world in which the Browns might actually be okay with that running game. And you know, their offensive lines better. They have a, they have a real coach this year. I so I looked know. at them a little bit with the Cowboys plus four and a half, but backed off cause they're the Browns. Well, and, and the interesting thing to me is that you backed off. Uh, the reason to me to back off that game is not the Browns, but instead the Cowboys. What the Cowboys are, are very untrustworthy. What a, all over what, the map? Yeah, whether all you're over the betting map. on them or against them. Yeah, and, I agree. and they they have you know so much capacity to do so many great things, and we really thought they were they were going to come out and go gangbusters. Thirteen and three, twelve and four. I thought that was possible. Not now. I also looked at the Texans minus three and a half for a little bit. Oh, and three season on the line playing the Vikings who are also in three season against season on the line. 
the advanced metrics for the Vikings are horrific. The team isn't very good. It just came down to, I, I think, especially during the COVID season, two shit teams playing each other is probably a stay away. And especially if you're laying points. We saw that last week with Jacksonville, Miami. It's like, oh, cool. I'll lay the points with Jacksonville. And it's like, why did I do that? Both of these teams stink. I don't know what I'm getting. So I think I'm going to stay away from the 0-3 loser leaves town bowl. You won't have me make any argument to the contrary. Okay. So here's what I'm looking at. I, I really like the Bucks. I okay. like the Bucks. I think, I think they, uh, as a tease team, first of all, their defense is really good. Um, number two DVOA. I've been impressed with them the last couple of weeks. They have some playmakers. They're playing the Chargers. I don't know if, I don't know if they pulled the needle out of Tyrod's punctured <laughs> lung yet, or I don't know. He's probably not playing yet. Uh, Herbert, he's okay whatever they've had some injuries, the chargers, and it's becoming increasingly clear that they, the chiefs rope adoped us in week two with that, that chargers game where they just basically, they did the Milton Burrow pulled out just enough dick to win. I like the bucks in that game. I haven't loved how Brady looks. I know Godwin's out, but I, to me, that's the team to beat in the NFC South, regardless of how shaky Brady's playing. They're favored by seven at home over the Chargers. So I need the second team. I want to tease that. Yeah. yeah I need I the like second the team. And look, I'm down a million dollar picks right now. I'm down $757,000. I need wins. The best team to tease them with is the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Sure. Who are unfortunately playing my favorite team, the New England Patriots. I have to divest my heart. I'm going to root for the Pats. If, I, if, if the Pats blow this bet for me, great. Then the Pats won. But... I just think the Chiefs are at a different class than anybody. It's going to be a big game because Belichick's on the sidelines. They're not going to let down from the Ravens game. They unleashed the receivers going downfield last week. I think their defense looks pretty good. You know, it was it was good in the playoffs last year when they needed to be, and it seems even a little bit friskier this year. And this Pats team is still trying to figure out who they are on offense. There's practice squad dudes running reverses and undrafted five foot six free agents get it, getting four carries on a drive. I think if they play this game in late November, I'd feel better about the Pats. I still feel like they're figuring out who they are a little bit. And now there's some game tape on cam. I I'd be surprised if they beat the chiefs. So that's going to be my first one. Bucks chiefs tease your thoughts. The only thing about it that makes me pause is mm. the short week for the Chiefs. Yep. Right. And you're coming so you, off a huge win. And you essentially give Belichick an extra day of preparation. I mean, I, I'm sure the Chiefs had us, you know, a secondary uh, group of people planning for this Patriots game. But just it feels like, you know, getting the, the guys down from you mentioned the emotional high, you know, when's that adrenaline runoff? For the, for the Chiefs. Is it middle of the day Tuesday? They wake up, they're happy, they're satisfied. When when does their focus for the Patriots really kick in? Is it Wednesday, the first part of Wednesday? So that's the reason why I would be worried because you know that, that Belichick is going to have his team prepared. I agree with you that, that New England is looking for an identity on offense. Uh, and I was a little worried. I They were my favorite play last week against the Raiders. Uh, and it looks like Cam is still trying to build some chemistry. We got three touchdowns out of Rex Burkhead last week. Yeah, uh, didn't didn't expect that. So um, that 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 
you know, counsels in favor of going ahead and feeling comfortable with the Chiefs, but I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, this well, can I give you, makes sense, but go ahead. Can I give you this one Chiefs thing? So yeah. they have the upper hand in Baltimore now because you want the one seed this year. Yes. Warren laid out the case the last couple of weeks on your Friday pod with him. It's only one buy. They have a huge advantage now against the Ravens. They have two important games next three weeks. They have New England this week. They're at Buffalo in week six. If they run the slate with those three, their schedule actually gets easier as we head into the um, the second half. They're, they're in the driver's seat in the AFC. So I, I that's why I don't feel like they're going to be, be letting down on this one. Because if they take care of business against the Pats, now you only have to worry about that Buffalo game in two weeks. And you have the AFC by the balls. So I'm not going as big as I normally would on, on these teases. But okay. Okay. I think that's, unless you can give me a better team to tease them with. I looked at the Rams against the Giants too. The Rams are minus 13. So you don't get a ton of value with that one. We're using the FanDuel Sportsbook lens. Uh, and you could get, you could do a six and a half point tease, get them under a touchdown. But then I'm still in that cheap touchdown range with the Giants, which I hate. Uh, well, the, the, only- the, the team that's favored by 13 that, that I l- love this week, speaking of a couple teams we've mentioned already, that's the Baltimore Ravens. They yep. have they, the, the travel for them is getting on a bus uh, for a 15-minute bus ride down I-95. The one thing we know without hesitation or reservation is that the Ravens beat the living crap out of bad teams. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but limited Lamar, limited Lamar loves playing bad teams. <laughs> limited Lamar. I, you're I, you're going to hurt Mallory's feelings. Not, not just Mallory. Warren Sharp is going to send me a, a uh, I don't want to, uh, he, he's also down here in the DMV and I'm worried about what's going to show up on my doorstep tomorrow. If he hears me talking this way, he's a, you know, obviously well, we, a, we a both, Lamar devotee. We both believe in Lamar. It's just against these great teams. He's had a couple stink bombs. He's own three against the chiefs. Well, so um, that, oh, that number already moved from, from 13 up to 14. Yeah. That's the Lord thing. So you, you can't really put in there. So yeah. I'm with you. I think they kill the, the Washington professional team, but there's really no way to profit on that. So I'm, I'm locking in bucks chiefs. Next one. I have Colts minus two and a half against Chicago Colts first in DVOA right now, kind of back, you know, you get one of the games was against the jets, but, um, even that first game of the year that they lost, I really liked, I really liked how they looked and I, they didn't punt the whole game. They're, they're kind of sneaky. Good. They played their pace. You know, it's slow, it's methodical, it's ugly. And one of the things I like about this game is I do think with Big Dick Nick that people have talked themselves into, oh, here we go, Chicago. My question for you, House, do you see the Bears being 4-0? No, I don't. That, I that seems out, like improbable to me. I, 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 I don't see it under any circumstances. I like the Colts in this situation. I think they're... they're uh, it's a silly thing to, to say kind of they're they're better than they've looked is that if that makes any sense uh well, they, I, they have two receivers out now Pittman's out and paris campbell got hurt a week ago so well, they're a little depleted hilton, with the receivers hilton, hilton hasn't had a game yet right he's I mean, actually he, been i don't think he's looked as good as we've seen in the past but i agree that's what i mean i mean he, we haven't really seen him have a game yet yeah this is just I, I, I can't believe this line's less than three. And I really do think Big Dick Nick has 
has some sway with people. People are afraid of going against them. So anyway, mark that one down. Colts minus two and a half. Third one is just a personal thing from watching football the last three weeks. I was really impressed by the Lions last week. Okay. So the Lions, week one, they blow that game to the Bears. That was stupid. They're up 17 in the fourth quarter. You never lose that. They're a little depleted in the secondary. I bet against them last week, and I thought their offense looked terrific. And then the rookie Akuda in the in the secondary was was good and really helped the Lions. Um, what I was impressed by with them, they 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 were just moving the chains. They're getting first downs, and they had a huge drive in the fourth quarter against the Cards, where at some point around midfield, they're like, fuck, they're going to score. Stafford seemed really confident. It seemed like they can block for him. I think that's a good team. I do not like the Saints team as much. I know Michael Thomas is coming back, but, you know, we've been saying it for four weeks. Breeze just doesn't throw the ball downfield anymore. And um, this feels like a field goal game to me. I love getting the extra point. I think they could win it outright. It's Lions plus four. And I just like the line. I like the matchup. I think they could win it. Yeah, Lions, uh, I agree with you. You know, they were on that streak of giving up leads in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah. All winnable games for them, which shows, you know, how competitive they are. And, you know, Galladay's return can't be uh, un un overstated. overstated. Yeah. Overst I was going to say underestimated. Yeah. Anyway, I was um, the overs and unders are in my head right now. The uh, thing that Stafford is really good at is vertical passing. And with Galladay back there, uh, you know, helping him stretch the field, I think that Detroit team can score on anybody. I mean, I, I and, 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 you know, the, the Saints definitely uh, have the capacity to let a score at the end of a game, even if they're up 10 at the end. You like the 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 Lions coming down and scoring. I mean, this touchdown at the end, the extra point is very totally. helpful there. That's the other thing, and I'm glad you mentioned that. They could be down ten or eleven with, you know, two minutes left and still go on down there. And we know that there's no home home field advantage. You know, if this was a packed Superdome, it would be different. So mark that one down. Lions plus four, and then last one is Cards minus three over the Panthers. I think there's been an overreaction to the cards last week. So I, I like pairing these bets together because I think people cooled off on the Cardinals big time because they looked like crap last week and Kyler didn't look good last week. Yeah. But what if the lions are actually either pretty good or just flat out good? And what if the cards just, you know, they were two and zero, feeling good about themselves. It was just, a, it was just one of those. Yeah, we sucked. I believe in Kyler Murray. I don't think he's going to play two shitty games in a row. I just think he had a bad game last week. I saw him the other two weeks. I thought he was great. And I think he's the kind of guy that coming off a bad game, I actually like having him. I, li I like him in the comeback. No, no, no. Believe in me. I've got this kind of situation. So the fact that it's only three, you know, against the Panthers that whatever, they're fine. They had, they had a nice win last week against the Chargers, but I like them in that spot. Yeah, and and you know the uh, outcomes last week were large were completely dictated by turnovers. Yeah, the Cardinals were minus three on the wrong side of of turnovers. The Panthers were plus four in turnovers last week ag against the Chargers and barely so, won. 
and, and barely and the won. Chargers had one of the worst two minute drills I've ever watched in my life. Yes, trying to come back in that game, it was like I I don't know what the hell they were doing, but they were throwing these checkdowns over the middle. It's like you guys, you have like a minute left. What are you doing? Yeah, every and time we, you do this, it's gonna be twenty five seconds. And even with Arizona, this is the thing that that makes me feel comfortable with with this play. Even with them, uh, you know, playing as like poorly as we uh, expect them to, they're likely to play all season long. And all those those turnovers, they still lost on a field goal at the end of the game. Yeah. So we got those four. Then I actually like the long shot parlays of the week. I haven't liked them in week two and week three, but I like them there. I have two I was looking at. First one is Philly in San Francisco. They're getting seven. And basically around plus 265, depending where you look. 0-3, heading to 0-4. Everybody's out on Philly. People have crossed them off. They're done. Wentz, he's with it. San Francisco is really banged up. This is not the San Francisco from last year or even from, you know, earlier earlier in the playoffs last year. And uh, the reason I looked at that was I was thinking about putting the Niners in a tease, and I just was like, I don't trust them at all. So it was like, well, why not go money line? The other one... So I like Philly as one anchor of that. I'm going to give you two choices for the other team. All right. The first one is the Atlanta Falcons. They are plus 280 and plus seven against the Packers on Monday night. Packers, people are feeling great about. Falcons really should have two more wins than they have. They can move the ball. um, And it could go one of two ways. Either they're going to get killed or they could, you know show a little heart and a little spine. The other one is the Browns. So Browns, Bengals, you feel like, well, those are basically identically uh, bipolar teams. I don't know what I'm getting from them week to week. What if they just won? Here are the odds. Eagles, Falcons is plus 1160. Eagles, Browns is plus 944. Which one makes your nipples harder? I like um, the Browns. I, th- I I there's a more plausible case for the Browns than there is for the Falcons. You, as long as Dan Quinn is the coach of the Atlanta Falcons, there is no scenario under which you're going to convince me to put one dollar, not one dollar, not fifty cents, not a quarter, not a dime on the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> now, I do like them getting seven. They've lost yeah. by 12 total points in three games. Right. But the money line play is the dead loser as long as Dan Quinn is the coach of the Atlanta Falcons. If you bet every single game, against the, with, with the exception, you take out the 2016 season when he had Kyle Shanahan, a, a coach in waiting, as the offensive coordinator. If you remove that 2016 season, if you bet every single game against Dan Quinn as a, as the coach of the Atlanta Falcons, that's a sixty percent hit rate. That is Ooh. collecting dollars from Las Vegas. I can't endorse an Atlanta Falcons money line play. I do like them getting seven, though. I will say that. Okay. All right. Here's what we're doing: million dollar picks. We're putting three hundred k on the following: Bucks and Chiefs. Tease down from minus seven to minus one. Both of them have to win. Colts minus two and a half over the Bears. Lions plus four over the Saints. And the Cardinals minus three 
against the Panthers. So I'm taking three road teams, but the road team betting action has been pretty favorable since there's no home court home field advantage at all. Um, so I'm not scared about that. And then long shot parlay of the week, 25 K on, on the, uh, Eagles and the Browns. Both of them have to win plus nine forty four. Should I put 30 K in them? Put 30 K in that house. Put 30 on that one. Yeah. Put 30 on that one. Come on. Let's live a little. One. Yeah. So there you go. How how are you feeling about that slate? I feel good about it. I love it. There's a lot of uh things that 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 I'm rooting for. There's a lot, you know, if Dallas loses a, 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 again and loses to the Browns, the the Cowboy Nation will lose its minds. I love yeah. I love that. I mean, there's there's a lot of things to that to look forward to this weekend. Do you does Miami did the Miami Heat get swept? Um, I haven't heard the report on um, Goran's foot. What's the story? He has a plantar tear. Yeah, but can he play or not? Not he can play, but they have to shoot Novocaine into it. It sounds great. It's a sweep. <laughs> it's a lock. It feels like a sweep unless they do the thing where they have the one game where every time Davis touches anyone, it's a foul, and they just try to get him out of the game. I don't want it to be a sweep, so I'm going to say it's a sweep because I haven't been good on this podcast with my basketball forecast. Well, we we love Miami for three rounds. We We've did loved really well Miami. On that. We we did. That was we, that was wonderful. Good. And yes, it wasn't our fault that the Clippers completely effed us right in the. I mean, hole. let's just be specific about it. Paul Paul George is, is Paul George, and all the, all the stuff that came out after, and yeah, Doc Rivers had to lose his job, and then. Philly was like, cool, we'll give you a five-year contract. What could go wrong? <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. So now poor Doc has to go from navigating Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to navigating Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And he's going to go in there and it's going to be like, yeah, last year we had the clogged toilet offense. And Doc's like, well, that's my offense. You're going to get it again. The only thing about it that doesn't make any sense to me is he's trading Malibu for the Jersey Shore. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a downgrade. That's not an upgrade. Where so where can he live in Philly? Would, oh, so he would live in you leave New York. Like would he be in no, the no, suburbs? No, no, he could live in Philly. Philly's great. Philly's got. But some, would he be uh, in the city? Like where would you live you in Doc Rivers? Though? Uh, what's it called? You know the the there's a, a whole portion of the city that's these old classic hundred year old homes, gigantic homes. So he'll do that, and then he'll have they don't have like a like a Jersey Shore on the Waterhouse, and he's good to go. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's when been on think, the East Coast before. When do you think he has the first combo with Joe Embiid that he needs to get in better shape? You think that's like the first <laughs> text, right. or you wait like two months before you drop that on him? Two hours ago. What time? When did he <laughs> sign the contract? That's when I think that first conversation happened. <laughs> All right, House, we can hear you with Warren Sharp. Talking about trends and uh, plays for the weekend, week four. That's on the Ringer NFL show. And then Masters, not too far away. Oh, we're, we're, Nate it's, and I it's... are getting revved up. In fact, how about this? We're sending Nathan to Las Vegas for two straight weeks. The PJ Tour, they're in Jackson, Mississippi this week, and then it moves to Las Vegas. Back-to-back -back events in Las Vegas. We're going to send Nate there. We need the PGA Tour to hook us up with a credential, by the way. But Nate's going to be there. Assuming he survives, we are going to be in good position for the Masters the first week of November. Mm. Can't wait. House, great yeah. to see you. Always a pleasure, Bill Simmons.
Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash in every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card member. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Taco Bell. If you're anything like me during a busy day at work, I need lunch that is just as fresh as it is delicious and easy. And the all new Cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell is exactly that, made with high quality ingredients like seasoned slow roasted chicken, pico de gallo, shredded purple cabbage, and avocado verde salsa sauce. The new Cantina chicken tacos, burrito, and quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina chicken menu at Taco Bell now. All right, welcome to the funeral for Lamar Jackson's career oh as an God. MVP quarterback. Nora Princiati is here. Uh, we're celebrating it with Mally Rubin, who is in just complete denial after a disaster of a Monday night game. What um, are you talking about? How are you feeling? Go, talk, walk, talk us out of this. Talk us out of Lamar can't win a big game. I, I feel fine. <laughs> it's one game. It's week three. Now, okay. is it ideal? No, but... Is any of your slander and cruel hyperbole justified? Also, no. I feel okay. I've been processing my emotions uh, for a couple days now. And, yeah. you know, one of the things that I've, I've taken heart in is that the team seems to be doing the same thing. You know, Lamar referred to the Chiefs as our kryptonite uh, after the game. And I would just like to observe that if kryptonite impacts you, it means you're Superman. So I'm still feeling wow. good. Nora, how did that all good. sound? How did that all sound to you? Like somebody in denial? <laughs> I'm just worried this podcast is gonna get extremely personal. Uh that was the most Mallory rebuttal I could could think of if we're bringing it back around to superheroes and mystical magical things. But I actually kind of agree. I think Lamar's fine. I'm not like I'm not doing this whole the Ravens have a Chiefs problem. Like everybody has a Chiefs problem. I have a Chiefs problem. Yeah. I'm gonna have a Chiefs problem on Sunday night as they're yeah that's right as they're kicking my team's ass. No, the only thing with Lamar, I and I don't know how old he's gonna be when he get. You know, I'm Lamar carried my fantasy teams last year. I still have a yep. soft spot for him, even though I dumped him for Kyler Murray. Um, <laughs> the only thing that worries me is the same thing that worried me last year. Is like when when he's down ten, and now I've taken away the strength that you have because now I know you have to throw the ball. I'm not convinced that they can move the ball down the field by throwing it, but I don't know if it's the receivers or him or both, or I don't know. I just, cause I bet on the Ravens on Monday. Mm -hmm. And once they went down double figures, I was just like, man, I, I don't think they can come back from this. And how do, how do I get rid of that feeling, Mallory? Well, I think it's important to remember that it was one of those games where just absolutely nothing went right. So if you think back to the opening drive, move down the field with ease until the puzzling decision to go for the, the field goal instead of going for it on, on fourth down. Yeah, that's And my, my, my cat is in the room just making an extraordinary amount of noise right now, by the way. So I assume he's also objecting to your Lamar stance. But if that's that fine. gets too loud, let me know. You mentioned the receivers. Mark Andrews, tight end, obviously, but Lamar's... Go-to pass catcher. Rough game. Three catches on eight targets. A couple devastating drops. Hollywood yeah. Brown, two receptions on six targets. 
they just were not in sync, were not on the same page. And I think the 97 passing yard game for Lamar, while it was certainly not his best outing of his career, the the stats are are harsher than the, the complete reality was. Also, the game plan was just not there. And that was obviously exacerbated by the fact that Andy Reid's game plan for the Chiefs and uh, the enemy's game plan for the Chiefs was just flawless. I mean, uh, the, the innovation, the invention on display, everything, humming, the wizardry, they could do whatever they wanted. The Ravens moved away from the run way too quickly. That does not mean, to be clear, that passing effectively is not possible. It just means that the foundation of the offense is the run game. And part of it is that every if it's always just third down and you're losing the time of possession battle and don't have the ball often, you don't really get a chance to get into rhythm and get into sync. I just have too much confidence in Harbaugh and the coaching staff and overall the analytically inclined approach of the team, which was, you know, a little bit puzzlingly absent on Monday night. I hey, don't think any friends. of that will... Just, con- I, but that's not their fault. your friends. Jesus. I didn't realize you were this upset. It's quite... I'm making the exact opposite point. So the advanced metrics that let you down? That was weird. That I have confidence, lasting confidence that all of those things will click back into place. I mean, at the end of the day, you're talking about uh, Lamar's record against the rest of the league in the regular season is 21-1. and He's 0-3 mm, against the Chiefs. That's good. So you start to lump together the Chiefs problem with the playoff problem. Lamar himself said, they played us like the Titans played us. That's a paraphrase, but that was the takeaway. So that becomes the concern. It's just what is replicable there. But again, it's not just the offense. The all right, all right. Not all right you made well. your case. We it's get fine. It. It's going to be fine we with one it. game. They could, they could lose to the Chiefs and have one really off week in every capacity and still be the second best team in football. I feel there's okay. a world too. There's a world too where Andrews doesn't drop that touchdown pass that should have been a touchdown pass. And yes. they score back-to-back touchdowns at the start of the second half. And all of a sudden, oh wow, the Ravens actually can come back. Mm. And I do think they have a problem when they get down that's exacerbated. Some of it has to do with how they play football. And it's okay to admit that. It doesn't mean that we're saying Lamar's bad. It's exacerbated, I think, a little bit by the play calling. I do think mm-hmm. that when they tense up, it seems like, I don't know why they they go pass heavy. And it's not just, throw some play action passes, fine. That's great. Cool. What's strange is that it seems like they resort to, you know, you're seeing Lamar on like a five-step drop, seven-step drop. That's not their bread and butter. And it's not about what he can do, what he can't do. It's It's about... What are you repping the entire week? What are you practicing? They do so much out of pistol. And it's just strange to me that it seems like when they get behind, they it's not just that they're going to the pass. It's that they're going to certain types of passes that's getting away from what they're so good at. So I would like to have a better understanding of why that happens. But I still yeah. think they're just they don't play from behind very much. So I'm not ready to say that this is an unsolvable problem. That's a fair point. You know what really made me mad about that game? I got rope dope by the Chiefs. Because those first two games, which I watched intently, yeah. and they were just trying to establish the run. They weren't sending their receivers on deep passes. And then watching them on Monday night, it was so clear that they were saving like all their cool plays, all the streaks down the field, multiple guys just running 50-yard pass patterns. They were just saving it for this Ravens game. And that they're a the exact same week play. Yeah, they're the exact same Chiefs team as last year. But in the first two games, they really didn't look that way. 
it, the Chargers they had a lot of trouble with, and I think you know they're doing the classic thing where they were they were just trying to get through that game and save it for the next game. But um, but coming out of the game, I was bummed out because you know I have some fantasies about the Patriots sneaking in there post Brady. Uh, you know, team of destiny, underachievers, the underdogs, Belichick's greatest achievement, all that stuff. Okay. And then you watch the Chiefs do that and you're like, man, this is... I mean, is Mahomes was 15 for 19 for 191 yards and three touchdowns against the Blitz. Against yeah, the that's tough. Like, what do you do against that? That's the definition of impossible to defend. And I think you're right. Some of it is that, you know, you don't necessarily need to break out everything against the Chargers. And some of it is, as, as you know, Nora, you and Kevin have talked about this a lot. Like the beginning of this season was always going to be a little bit strange and halted because of the lack of a true preseason, the time to adjust. And the teams that have ultimately struggled with that less are the teams with established offensive schemes and established quarterbacks because they have that continuity in key areas, coaching and quarterback play. But it doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect right away. So I don't think there's a single football fan alive who is surprised that in week three, Mahomes looked like Mahomes again. Like, of course that was going to happen, right? It's a question of if you can, you're not going to be able to stop him. You just have to contain him and try to keep pace. So again, to go back to the Ravens, that's where, that's what fell apart was they could do neither. On the Mahomes thing, though, do you, do you two think that at least a piece of it was the whole week-long MVP jerk circle around Russell Wilson and the MVP and then Aaron Rodgers and the MVP, and it was just like everybody's talking about everybody else? Like I, I, I do wonder, if, especially so, during a pandemic, if those guys even notice stuff like that, because I, I feel like they do. I'm glad you mentioned this, because I was, as, as won't surprise you here, I was texting constantly with my dad on Monday night, and... At one point, he said something essentially like this was obviously like a prove it game for Mahomes too, right? Because mm. so much of the narrative heading into the game was about it being a prove it game for Lamar. And my response to that was it felt like the exact opposite to me. It felt like a Mahomes like I don't think about this at all game. Just a reminder that he is not really worried about that and is not concerning himself with who else is his nominal rival because he doesn't ultimately have one right now. Now, flip side of that is, of course, he's out there on Twitter with like, you know, the I'll remember this, I'm writing this down emoji when the top 100 players list comes out. So it's not, it wouldn't be reasonable or accurate to say that this is not something that is a competitive person is on his or anyone else's mind. Of course it is. But I think that he's concerned about having a good season and winning another title. And I think he also probably has a lot of respect for Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is the MVP of the season so far. Monday night did not change that. Eh, Nora, come on. You're part of the Mahomes generation. You're in the same age. What, what do we call that generation? What do we call the the twenties? Gen Z? <laughs> Is it a new term? I'm. I think I'm millennial. I think I'm a millennial. I think people don't understand what age range millennials are. I think I'm about the youngest you can be and still be a millennial. Okay, so you you so you're claiming the millennials. You want, I'm you claiming want to the millennials. Millennial. Although I think that's where, fair. I, that's... where I get mad is on the older end. I think people will t- when people think they're talking about Gen Z. They're talking about millennials and I, I'll always get like frustrated about, no, you, you can be 40 right now and be a millennial just because you did, you know, not all of us grew up with cell phones our entire lives. Like what, but I did obviously, cause I'm yeah. on the very bottom end of it. Oh, I didn't know if you felt any generational kin- kinship with Mahomes, <laughs> you yeah. know, understanding his emotions and feelings at all times. Cause you're part of well, the same generation. I just think anybody is like that, right? Everybody is... I'm always confused when people tell me they're not competitive. I think everybody's competitive, especially when you are online all the time and it's such a comparative thing. So Mm -hmm. relatively speaking, I don't get the sense from him that he's a Brady or a Rogers where it's every 
25 years ago, somebody said something that they took slightly the wrong way and they wrote it down and they're going to remember it forever and exact revenge. I don't think Mahomes is like that, but they all know. They all know where they rank on the lists. They all know who they're getting compared to. They all know what their draft status was. They all know all of that stuff. So I guess it's maybe somewhere in the middle, but I don't know that that I looked at that game and thought that they like super had it circled. I just thought you probably know this from following the Patriots. The funny thing to me was you know that thing that happens in New England where they'll have, you know, the the Malcolm Butler interception is the best example, but something will go really right. And then afterwards, they'll kind of subtly pat themselves on the back by dropping lines like, oh, yeah, we worked on that in practice. Right, like, right. We repped that in practice. And it's always <laughs> like, oh, well, aren't you so smart? Yeah. Mahomes kind of did that. And I don't think that it was like a nana and a nana thing, but he started talking about... um the tackle league play that that was a touchdown to Fisher and went on this whole thing um, talking to reporters after the game where he was saying, well, we we run that and we've run it with all the big guys to see who has the best hands. And we'd actually done one rep of it where I threw the ball high on purpose to see if he could go up and get it, which ended up being what they had to do. So that it kind of made me laugh because it was like, this thing that I'm so used to hearing from Patriots guys and just going like, okay, cool. You work on every possible situation. You're always prepared. Like you're prepared for this thing that would happen one out of 6 million times. But the Chiefs are kind of getting into that zone, right? Where there are tons of continuity and they have, especially this offseason, they were going to be one of those outlier teams that actually had time to be like, which one of our tackles could catch a touchdown and could jump and have the hands to do it. Belichick's like, yeah, pandemic. We worked on that. We worked on what, <laughs> what we do. We had a whole th- three months. Situational football. Situational trial about, you know, mass and all that stuff. We were prepared. We were ready at all times for anything. Um, Mallory, yes. I theorized on Sunday's podcast with Sal that Aaron Rodgers, when the mm-hmm. Packers drafted Jordan Love, mm-hmm. they really were drafting the chip for Aaron Rodgers' shoulder. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, because that pick made no sense at the time. Because Rodgers, we still felt like he was a good quarterback for at least the next couple of years. And now they have Aaron Rodgers with a chip on his shoulder. You agree with that theory? That it was a deliberate choice to try to piss off Aaron I don't Rodgers think it was, and then cite the competitive streak within? I don't think it was a deliberate choice. I think it was an unexpected, delightful oh, benefit. There's no doubt that it's the the clear boon and net effect. I mean, that seemed that seemed apparent from the moment it happened that it was going to trigger this return to to form. You know, the the dragon fire within, and or 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 trigger just this aging diva who you know it turns into like Desperate Housewives season five where everybody's just fighting with each other. Everyone's threatened. Um, it could have gone that way too. I was prepared for either scenario. Well, that that seemed like there was a brief moment after the draft, certainly where it seemed like a lot of the talk in in media circles and among analysts was like, what will the effect of the potential drama be inside of the locker room? And that part doesn't seem to be there at all. So it's kind right. of the best of both worlds. The, Aaron Rodgers is determined to remind everybody that he's still one of the best players in football. And that's specifically the, the version of, of Aaron Rodgers that we're getting now, which is pissed off, ready to prove something, not that he needed to prove anything in the first place, is one of the most thrilling things that you could have the pleasure of watching as a sports fan. And uh, LaFleur is out there 
coaching like hell and they don't seem to all be mad at each other all the time, at least not in a way that's filtering into the public sphere. So, I mean, they look like one of the four best teams in football right now. Or we always have the rabbit team in September, right, Nora? The team that right. we always get excited about one or two teams in September that by the time we get to Thanksgiving, we're like, oh man, remember when we thought, I, I do feel like there's a little of that with Seattle because oh. Seattle has no pass rush at all and not a very good secondary. And bad, I don't know defense. if that's sustainable as a real contender. And you go back and you actually look at those games they had, they could have easily have lost the last two. But with the, with the Rogers thing, you weren't covering the Pats when Garoppolo and Brady were there at the same time, right? Were you, Nora? Yeah, I was. Oh, you were. Um, so yeah, what was that dynamic? Could you sense that, that that was a strange dynamic or were you not sure or was it fine? It was weird. It was, you yeah. could tell it was weird. Are you, they weren't, you know, no one's fighting in public. It's totally fine. But the, um, the, uh, when Brady was suspended, you could tell that everyone was a little bit on edge. And the funniest thing, I remember one, it was in training camp. Um, so it was before the suspension started, but it was some practice and, um, Jimmy looked really good on a, on a few scramble drills. And this little mini narrative pops up about, well, you know, he can do some things that Brady can't do. He's mm. a little athletic. Look at this guy. And it just, it gets into the water stream and the players know that it's in the water stream. So all of a sudden, this is like blinking red light. Do not engage. Don't respond. Don't feed the beast. Don't do anything. And Gronk is in a big scrum of people either after that practice or it might've been the next day. And this was, I laughed so hard. I cried when this happened. Um, everyone's going at him, just trying to get him to say something about, you know, Jimmy's really good at that. And Tom's not as good at it. What do you think about that? Do you think that in the first four weeks, that's going to give you a little extra wrinkle, whatever, whatever, whatever. And he's not taking the bait. He's not taking the bait. He's not taking the bait. People keep going at it. Finally, he does that gronk laugh and just goes, I make the best scrambled eggs out of everybody and like mm. runs away. <laughs> and it was this totally nonsensical, just weird, like perfect gronk moment. And so in that sense, it was just heartwarming and perfect. But it was it, it wasn't like we would see the two of them interacting and there being tension there. But there were just a lot of answers to questions where. Tom would kind of hint at, well, it's not my job to coach him. Jimmy would kind of hint at, well, I get my coaching from other people. And you could you could put things together where it was like, okay, well, these aren't two best friends we're dealing with. And I think that's probably, I mean, with yeah, they both would ask of those guys, think of how they got their jobs with Rogers and with Brady. Think of how they got their jobs. True. Well, I, I don't know why it would be any any way different. Yeah. What? The the media would always be like, Jimmy, what kind of a mentor has, mentor has Tom been to you? And then he'd have to have some stupid answer that you knew he was completely full of shit. I always enjoy when this happens, but I will. I do remember the Malcolm Butler, the, the big interception that won us the Super Bowl. And yep. NFL Films had that sideline shot of Brady freaking out on the sidelines when they won. And he's like jumping up and down and Garoppolo is jumping up and down behind them. And there's this one split second where it seems like they're going to 
hug and he kind of sees Jimmy and then turns and goes to hug whoever, <laughs> just whatever live body was on his left. Like he just didn't even want to be in the jump up and down hug with Garoppolo. And that was when I was like, oh man. He's like was, hugging was, the guy with the Microsoft Surface tablet. Yeah, he was like, like hey, there, there's there's somebody who's close to my height. Oh, There's that guy. Um, did you feel this, Mal, in Baltimore when um, Lamar was trying to unseat Flacco? You know, another oh, Hall of Famer. Boy. Was it same kind of vibe? Wouldn't be a wouldn't be a, a BS pod without a Flacco mention. So thank you for continuing our proud. Hey, tradition. I defended Flacco more than you. Oh, Flacco my God, was easily. four and zero for you in the playoffs, and you turned on him in like six months. I uh, turning on him requires a change in my stance. I don't think that ever happened. I was pretty consistent throughout. Well, he won you a Super Bowl. Well, he was on a Super Bowl winning team. That's that is a more accurate framing, I think. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Thanks for the ring. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Do either of you have an NFC team you have become enchanted by? Is it Green Bay? I'm still more enchanted by Seattle just because I think even if their defense is bad, it makes me confident that they will continue to let Russ cook. Mm. Yeah. The Russ thing is just so fun. And it's not just Russ. It's who he's throwing to. I mean, watching Lockett and Metcalf, you know, the... The, the 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 necessary requisite asterisk now for when Metcalf is not fucking up a 63-yard touchdown, like that that point aside, it's so electrifying. And the fact that their defense is um, quite civ-like at the moment has, of course, contributed to this bizarre circumstance where for so many years, anybody watching the Seahawks was just like, why won't? They construct a team that is, is 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 built around the idea of Russell Wilson being one of the yeah. best quarterbacks in football. The guy that everyone him else is more. terrified of. Yeah. yeah, and the fact that the defense is letting up so many points has has helped to finally trigger this consistent onslaught of 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 gorgeous Russ Rainbow touchdowns. It's so much fun. But Nora, I thought you were going to say another team. I thought you were going to say the Rams because you're you're all in on the Rams right now. No, so you okay, love an offensive I, line. That's what I they was said. very. I have a very complicated position on the Rams, um, which is that they're very good, but it kind of stops there. Uh, But I think it's, they're so interesting to me right now because like, think of this roller coaster that we've been on with the Rams the last two years, right? Mm. Like 2018, they're the next big thing, best offense in football, you know, maybe not the Chiefs, but Everything is going right. We're obsessed with Sean McVay. We think Jared Goff is, you know, deserving of tons and tons of money and, and it's great. 
And I was with you until that last point, but can, can yeah. you continue? Carry on. Sorry, it was a stumble. Keep I going. think that was that was consensus. That was consensus in 2018. Consensus oh, with with the millennials. <laughs> Is that a Gen Z take? After all, yes. Patrick Mahomes and I got together and we talked about yeah. it. And we thought Jared Goff is a great quarterback and they should pay him a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, Among football fans who love five yards per attempt, that was the consensus. Yeah, and, Darren, and occasional there in the headlights. But go, keep, keep going. It was going well. 2019. Yeah. It all falls apart, right? And I, and I think it was so... It felt so precipitous. Sometimes I, first of all, sometimes I forget that they went nine and seven. I was going like to say vibes. that was the, that's why I picked them to win the NFC this year because last year people act like they were three and thirteen. They were nine and seven. It really, it really, yeah. So it's, it, that's what's fascinating to me is that like they were so high and then so low, and they really weren't that bad. Right. And it was for a pretty simple reason, which was just that everybody on their offensive line got hurt. Right. And yeah. if that team can't run block in that offense, which is built on the run and the pass all looking the same until, you know, Defender X is just confused and running the wrong way. They can't do anything that they want to do. So it's like there was this very clear football answer for why they were struggling. Plus Wade Phillips. That was the other one. He kind of died last year. Yeah. That, yeah. I didn't think, I mean. It happens. He was like 70. You can't be a defensive coordinator until you're 100. Like at some point, you're not going to have it anymore. I want to be very Wade. clear. Wade Phillips is a lie. Well, I mean, died as like a like a, the football coordinator, you know, asset. I know, but people get confused. Um, but yes, they <laughs> it's did. Fair, but... fair. Somebody's listening. Wade Phillips is dead. What happened? It's like no, he's he's now retired. Wade. He's doing Little great. Wade. He's having a nice, calm, Texas somewhere probably. Um, but <laughs> some of those linemen that got you know, trial by fire reps that didn't go so well last year. They're playing a lot better this year. And it's like the switch is back on. And it's not a bad year to be in the NFC, right? Because I still really like the Seahawks and I I like the Packers too, obviously. And I would take probably either one of those over the Rams because I just trust their quarterback so much more. But all of a sudden it's like, here come the Rams. And I just can't think of an example of something that we've gone so high then so low and it's the reasons have been kind of clear if you just drill down to like level two but we're all on level one where it's like is Sean McVay a genius or is he not and it's just a very funny it's been like a very funny sort of few years of that's kind of internet culture right Sean McVay genius Sean McVay overrated and it just kind of moves from narrative to narrative I like and, I like Tampa's team despite my reservations about Brady being able to play four or five months just because they have some really, really high-end skill guys. And I think their defense is pretty frisky, you know? Totally. I, I do think they can do some stuff. And, you know, even like as a like a fantasy football defense, they're gonna have games where they're gonna have like 20-point days against the right team. And, you know, I I, I don't think that division is particularly hard. Yeah. I don't think the, the NFC East is an abomination and there's just not a lot of good teams. So you almost have to look at it like who, who has talent. It's not even like football teams. It's like who has like nine really talented guys, Tampa. So Mal, you agree with me on that one? 
Well, I think that the division point is key because we can like we can lump the the Bucks and the Rams together for a second there. You know, when you're talking about the offensive line improvements for the Rams and how much of their offense is predicated on like pace and rhythm and how much a healthy line facilitates in that respect. And you look at something like, okay, they lost the the Bills game, but there was a stretch in the second half of that game where Aaron Donald just so quickly, efficiently, and flawlessly reminded everyone watching that whenever he wants, he can just completely take over and control the game and is the best football player alive, right? But then you look at their division and every team in that division, even the Niners who have been riddled, riddled by injuries and really had a rough start to the year, all of those teams are still good. I mean, the Cardinals, you know, you, you both have talked about a lot on your pods this year are obviously electric and so fun to watch. We've already talked about the Seahawks. So then you swing and the Bucks. I don't think are uh, as confidence-inspiring as the Rams, certainly the, the Seahawks. But Drew Brees looks 100 years old so far. I, I don't know if that will continue to be the case. And obviously getting, you know, a healthy Michael Thomas back and, and other things like that could help. But Panthers do not look like a good football team this year. And the Falcons are one of the disasters of the season so far. You know, there's a, a handful of 0-3 teams or 0-2-1 teams that you would lump in with the 0-3 teams because in some ways they've been even worse. Talking about the Eagles, of course. You know, that division is just so thin that the Bucks would have to completely implode to not make the playoffs. That's how I feel. Plus, we didn't even mention the Bears yet. The Bears are going to be like 15-0. and and we're going to be like, I don't know if they can make the playoffs. Well, they're like, the team that I thought of. they're 3-0. Oh, I don't understand it. They're the team I thought of earlier when you mentioned, when we were talking about the Packers and you mentioned these like September barrages. I don't think of the Packers at all, at all but I'd look at another team in their own division and say you could make the case for, for the Bears if you wanted. Can it, so, be a mir- can it be a mirage, though, if nobody can even see it in the first place? <laughs> I don't, I don't know how that works. I don't People know. can't see it. People are guarding their eyes against looking at it. So oh, funny. Is that how it's you been funny. Feel? There are a few well, things I enjoy watching more than a, a biscuit foals storyline unfolding in real time. That's the good shit right there. Well, my son, who's playing fantasy football for the first time ever this year and took Allen Robinson mm-hmm. and didn't realize Trubisky was bad and has been through the same roller coaster ride that I think all real Bears fans go on. <laughs> And is now all excited because, as he says, Big Dick Nick is going to fix Robinson <laughs> and do all this. And it's like having a Bears fan in the house just for through the Allen Robinson fantasy lens. But, the, you know, every year we have a team that goes 12 and 4 or 11 and 5. But usually it's 12 and 4 and you just go, how the fuck did that happen? Right. And it's going to happen in the NFC with somebody. Because I think the NFC, I went from thinking the NFC had more good teams to actually thinking... You know, you might have this really stacked NFC West and then basically one decent team per division mm-hmm. and that's it. So we're going to see a weird record and, you know, all they have to do the rest of the way is go nine and four. They get to play the Vikings again. I think they're they're playing like a third or fourth place schedule. It's not it's not completely unrealistic. Plus, like, sure. is it crazy to think Nick Foles would actually be decent? Like he was really good in that second half and everybody's like, oh, that's just what he does. He And it's like, no, he was good. Like, let's hand it to him. He almost had four touchdowns. Robinson had that one that turned to be an interception. What were we going to say, Nora? He almost had like three interceptions, but... But that's that's the power of Big Dick Nick, though. He <laughs> flirts with disaster and success at all times. And he's just I one of those guys. I didn't guys. know this information. I didn't include that in my calculus there. You're, you're, <laughs> you make a well, very solid point. Mal had that with Flacco, where it was like, when he was just three years of PIs, he was racking up... <laughs> A third and 18. <laughs> just the, yeah. the heave downfield with the PI. I was like, wow, he did it's it strategy. again. strategy. 
Some guys just have no it, doubt. man. Some guys just have the horseshoe. <laughs> I, uh, I've cooled off Arizona a little bit after last week and, yeah. and partly because they cost me money, but I just wasn't impressed by their defense and they couldn't really survive a, a, a poor Kyler game. And I, I don't, I think that division other than the Rams, I don't know what to make of the other three teams. You could tell me San Francisco is going to finish like six and 10, seven and nine. I wouldn't be like shocked because they've had so many injuries already. And usually that gets worse. And then the Seattle thing, they just don't have a good defense. I know it's Russell. He's always going to go 10 and six, but um, I think that division has the highest kind of variance. You look around at the other ones, even the NFC East. Like I think if they had had a decent quarterback, Washington would have been pretty good. Haskins was so bad last week. It's almost like it's completely yeah. impossible for them to even go six and 10. Although I think they're going to get rid of him. Any other sleepers we're missing in the NFC or no? Washington is the one I, I have circled as when they change quarterbacks, I'm watching their next game to see at least what it looks like. But that, that division's not going to generate more than one playoff team. Well, no, but I mean, it, I still, I'm I saying think... as, as the one that replaces Dallas, if Dallas, who really? knows? No. Yeah. I, I, it could be nine be... and seven in that division. Oh, I mean, I don't even know if you'll need to go nine and seven to win that. Eight, division, eight? But I, I still think it's going to, it's going to be the Cowboys. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously the, the giants are a complete non-factor. Yeah. Cross the them up. The Eagles have been, you know, we have, we have a lot of, a lot of winless teams so far, but the Eagles have certainly been one of the great disappointments of the season. They're uh, barring an extraordinary return to form for Carson Wentz or a Jalen Hurts led resurgence, perhaps. I don't know. I still think that's That'd be hilarious. division to, to win. I, I, I don't see, I don't see Washington coming through with that. But part of that is probably that I'm, you know, counting on a big Ravens bounce back this week against, uh, against Washington. I think they would have beaten the Browns last week if Haskins hadn't been such a disaster. That was sitting there. I don't believe in the Browns at all. And I, I've been thinking about throwing them, betting against them in million-dollar picks this week. Once they got the lead, they were just able to run the ball every down. And that's and then you can just... They, they're so afraid to unleash Baker at this point. I think Stefanski must have looked at two years of Baker highlights and been like, oh, Jesus. I didn't... I didn't realize it was this bad because they're they're not asking him to do anything. Do you like any AFC sleepers, Nora, at this point? It seems like the Chargers have had too many injuries. Anybody? It's funny. Um, I don't actually mind the Browns. Oh, okay, make the case. The running game, <laughs> couple couple blue chippers on D. What else? A lot of talent. And I would like to give Stefanski and Baker just a little bit more time to figure it out. I think they have started, started. You see him on the bootlegs. You see him getting moving. You see him like doing the sort of Kirk Cousins stuff that has been really effective. Okay. And okay. Yeah. So maybe he watched the Baker tape and went, wow, I didn't quite know. Uh, I didn't quite know what the lows looked like here, but this is a guy who just did this with Kirk Cousins, right? So it's not as if he's right. incapable of of making do. And I Very think that like the Odell stuff is troubling and confusing and I just don't know what's going on. But they have enough pieces that fit together that I think now when we're talking about sleeper, I'm talking about teams that I've watched and thought, okay, if things start to go right and they start to look a little bit better, like that's all of a sudden a fun team, an interesting team to watch. The problem is getting the one seed mm -hmm. is such a big deal. And they're not, you know, 
you got to win your division. They're not going to win their division. So it's, you hit a dead end, but yeah. I don't think that they're as bad as they look. Okay. You like the, you like the bills, Mallory? I do. I think the bills are legit. Yeah. I think the bills are legit. It's a bizarre time to, to be alive in, in, you know, numerous respects right now, but, uh, watching, watching the bills, uh, play as an undefeated team and watching Josh Allen do the things that Josh Allen is doing. But, uh, the bills a can't be a time. sleeper. No, not a sleeper. I mean, they're undefeated. They're, they're one of the, I think they'd the, be a super, a super bowl sleeper, not a, not a sleeper okay. to play us. This is like you know. uh, this is like the the football version of you know multiple years in nobody knowing what apex mountain means. What do we mean when we talk about a sleeper here together? Exactly. That I felt like the- a dig. <laughs> Just an observation. That was how she got you back know? for the Lamar stuff at the beginning. Just By the way, Mallory. Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned the Falcons briefly. I just mm-hmm. realized what we have to do to solve this Lamar question. Mm-hmm. We Nothing have to, to get the Ravens. We have to get the Ravens down by double digits against the Falcons. Oh yeah, that'll oh, do man. it. Man, that's a that's a great one. Can can we make sure that Dan Quinn has a job long enough for that to transpire? Sure. That would be great. Because sure. if they Ho- can't pull that off, then we have a problem. Is Hollywood Brown deserving of the name Hollywood? Like, should he just be called yes. like East East Hollywood Brown? Is he is he good enough to be Hollywood? First of or maybe all, like, maybe like maybe like Rosita Brown. A lot of great stuff in East Hollywood. And second of all, Hollywood Brown is a is a delight. What are you talking about? Well, I don't one know. tough game. Did, He's been great. Didn't even realize he was on the field Monday night and then he dropped the pass. I was like, oh, there he is. Oh my God. This is tough. this is just unfounded and cruel. Should we talk about Josh Allen? So I here's the Josh thing. <laughs> I thought he I thought he was really good in the Rams game. And yet on that final drive, I waited for him to blow it the whole time. And then it was third and 22 goal to go, basically. And I thought uh, I thought the Rams bailed him out. They gave him yeah. basically a wide open dude over the middle to throw it to. So then all of a sudden it was like fourth and eight instead of, you know, third and 20, fourth and 27, whatever. And then the P.I. was terrible. And I do feel like if either of those plays goes differently, the conversation this week is Josh Allen, does he have it? Is he good enough? And it was like football is so stupid sometimes because it's those two plays very easily could have gone the other way. And then we're like, ah, is this guy any good? Couldn't hold a lead. What's going on with this dude? I do think he looks more accurate than he did last year. I would say is the one big benefit with them, right? Totally. Oh, for sure. He's particularly downfield. And the, the digs upgrade is... I think one of the most just night and day add one guy and an offense changes. Yep. Things that's happened this year. And they've, they'd done a lot of work in past off seasons to kind of build to that point. They improved the offensive line. They, you know, gave him guys like Beasley to, to work the middle of the field. But then that was the issue, right? Is that he has, and he has a great arm. He can, he can throw the ball very far, but he couldn't throw the ball far accurately and he's right. gotten better. But then they also gave him the best deep ball receiver in football and it, it's clicked so automatically. I think it's very cool. I think it was two things. It was the, the accuracy question and then the confounding play question, which was sometimes one in the same 
but not always. And so that that's still the thing, right? That you're that you're looking at this year because, uh, okay, he has you know he has uh, ten touchdowns and only one interception, but that doesn't mean there haven't been moments where like, what is Josh Allen doing? For example, he was flagged for a face mask and an unsportsmanlike like, conduct penalty last week, which is like just I've never seen that in my life. Straight, that's just yeah. bizarre. And those are things he that like only happen in a Josh Allen football game. Yeah. What is he that? also had like a he had that failed lateral. Um, he also, sometimes there are quarterbacks and usually it's just when they're in a terrible offense where you'll notice that they spend a lot of time, like they are 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage, just like running in the wrong direction. And their faces are like looking out to the sideline basically. And you're just going, what is going on here? Josh Allen is in a very good offense and that still happens sometimes. And we do have to work on that. Um, but there's, there's a lot to love and I don't, Josh I'm not a believer. I have my money's still on Bill Belichick. Can I ask you about covering football in, in a COVID era before we, before we even get to the pit Tennessee game, like just all the stuff you miss from the way life used to be, where you could just kind of wander around, pull people to the side, get little things here and there, go to practices, things like that. And I, I don't even know how much reporters can do on that front anymore. But how do you get information now? It's funny. It's like you you have to rely on people that you already know really well a lot. But it's also you kind of have to rely on like the big swings, right? Like there used to be kind of two different two different ways that you would talk to people. You could talk to people in you have a scheduled interview or you make sure that someone has decent chunk of time to talk about a particular topic and like really, you know, get a lot of follow-ups and get in with it. But then sometimes you're doing stories where whatever the topic is, maybe it's a trend, maybe it's a person, you want to supplement it by just, if you're in a locker room, go around and ask 15 guys the same question and just see how they answer, see what comes up, see sort of, you're basically taking a poll, right? Like, Sometimes it's, is this a thing or is this, am I sort of off base with where I'm going here? But you just do these, these like little sort of fishing things and try to get a sense for a vibe. And that's what you can't do, which I think is, is sometimes it's hard to kind of have your bumpers and know, am I going in the right direction here? Like, do the people who are actually involved in this feel the same way that, that I do? It's not actually that hard to get someone to, spend 10 minutes on the phone with you or spend 45 minutes on the phone with you if that's what it takes. Like those things, people still have a lot of downtime to fill. So they're, they're pretty easy to get in that sense. But the little ones, those, those I miss. And I didn't realize that I was going to miss them. Is a Belichick press conference more boring in person or on Zoom? (laughs) I think he actually kind of likes Zoom. He's he's crushing it on Zoom. Crushing it. He's like, I think he's sort of, feels proud that he's learned something mm. and <laughs> you know he's wearing his ripped up hoodie and oh my God. having a good time and then amazing like he can do the handoff and then cam slides in and he's wearing his hat and everything's i don't think he minds it it would be funny if he got into it and had like a zoom background like mallory's background right now and it was like shots of him and his family and all that. How many, how many Belichick family members are we up to on the coaching staff now? It's just two still, right? Two. Yeah. No grandkids on there yet or anything. Any cousins? Not yet. I think, I think the grandkids are uh, very small. 
This is a big thing for my dad. He loves making fun of the the Belichick kids anytime something goes wrong defensively. Gets very upset. Belichick, well, this is, you know, when you have your kids, kids running a defense. Um, Bring the puppy Matt, out there. He had him very involved in the draft. You know, keep it going. Great Nike. Dog. Sweet Nike. <laughs> you, you love that. I made piece. Belichick human for you for once. Oh, I loved it. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. So they canceled, they didn't cancel, they moved it, the Titans-Steelers game. We were waiting for mm -hmm. this moment to happen and the league handled it exactly like we expected they would. They just keep the machine going, switch the bye weeks around, do it. I'm sure it'll happen again. Did we learn anything, Mal, from this whole week? Any, any new lessons that you didn't expect? <sighs> I mean... I'd be I'd be curious to to hear Nora. You know, you wrote a piece for the Ringer today about this, and you've obviously you did a lot of reporting in the preseason in particular about COVID protocol and and how the league would um, handle the I guess simultaneously predictable and that this seemed inevitable, and also the 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 inherently unpredictable aspect of of how this is unfolding in real time. You know, I think that. Uh, uh, with the, the Titans-Steelers rescheduling itself, you know, the scenarios are in play. There are the bi-week shuffles with the Steelers-Ravens mid-season. You know, there's the Week 18 possibility. I think that that part of it seems like it will be handled effectively. I think the question starts to become, well, what happens if this balloons, right? It's it's not... There's no reason to think, and I don't mean to be like a, a doomsday sayer about it, just practically like there's no reason to think that this will be the only time this happens right you know look at what happened in baseball this season um where where more than one team was was impacted by uh, a spread and a surge in cases so so far at least and we're recording this um early afternoon on thursday so far at least the vikings have not announced positive tests, right? That's still the latest information. Yep. So that will be one thing to monitor because the Titans did have their first positive test, a, a, a coach, before the team traveled to play the Vikings. And I think that will be one of the things to monitor moving forward if, um, and hopefully this will not happen, obviously, but if there is ultimately a positive caseload in the Vikings organization, well, then well, why did the Titans travel if they had a positive test, et cetera? So hopefully that does not um, come to be. Then you start to look at like a kind of a, a wider web, you know, a story um, surfaced on Thursday morning that the driver who had been driving the Titans in Minnesota was also the driver who had been driving the Astros when they were in Minnesota to mm. play the Twins and the baseball playoffs. You know, everybody seems to be saying that that, that is, uh, you know, the, the contact tracing has been effective. There's the story with the Raiders about the charity event where certain players were not wearing their masks this week and the league is looking into the protocol in that organization and whether it is being uh, handled effectively. Obviously, numerous coaches and organizations have had fines, hefty, hefty fines levied against them so far this season for failure to wear masks in a high-profile situation. Like, again, I don't want to be, like, super glum and intense here, but... I think it's like it's it's very tempting when everybody's watching football together to like 
make fun of Andy Reid's face shield for fogging up and have fun online and make memes on Twitter. Like that's part of that's part of watching sports in 2020, right? You have to find joy where you can. But I'm like, good for Andy Reid for wearing a fucking face shield. Like hopefully everyone starts taking this as seriously as they should and this can be limited and 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 capped. I just hope you everyone's know, okay. To be fair, yeah. Mallory hasn't left her apartment in seven months. <laughs> And it's just been eating tuna fish and tomato oh, soup God. and, and I have had an, an ex- just extraordinary amount of soup. I will. That is true. That part's true. She's got her Zoom background on because behind her is just like canned Walls goods. Of soup. It's just empty <laughs> cans of tuna fish. Uh, Nora, what did you learn from uh, from this whole week with the COVID stuff? So we actually haven't learned it yet is the thing. Because what's going to really tell us what's going on is tomorrow when they get today, Thursday's round of testing back, both in Tennessee and in Minnesota. Minnesota. And then in particular in Minnesota and then the next couple of days. Because if we're talking about Sunday as the time of exposure, the median incubation period is like four or five days. So we're not there yet. And with that, a group that size, the fact that none of them have tested positive, the Vikings... Um, and I think 48 of them, the NFL's contact tracing devices mm-hmm. said were in close contact with guys from Tennessee who ended up testing positive. Right. If it's 48 of them, some of those guys are going to, they're going to, they would come back positive before the meeting incubation period. But it doesn't mean that they've ruled out having an issue there. So when they originally said that the game wasn't going to be on Sunday, it was out there that it was either going to be Monday or Tuesday. And that was always, that was always a red flag because really what they were saying is this game's not going to be Sunday. Yeah. We'd like to buy a little bit of time so that we can figure it out, but it's not going to be Sunday. And we need to tell, we need to tell the Steelers in particular, mm-hmm. keep practicing, change your schedule, do whatever. The thing that I'm curious about is if they will change a policy that they've had to not test on game days because they're testing every day, but they're not testing on game days. And I don't know if this is a like A to B um, cause and effect, but what comes to mind is what happened with Matt Stafford, where he had the false positive over the summer during training camp. And it caused a lot of anxiety, both for the Lions and, and for Stafford and his family, but also in the league about, okay, so what happens if we get a false positive? And so they don't do it on game day because if you get a false positive, then you don't have time to rule it out. Yeah. So there's a possibility that Cam Newton or whoever gets a false positive, has to miss a game, and then they realize that nothing's actually wrong. But then now we're seeing the flip side of that, right? So one possibility, and this isn't coming from anybody that I've spoken to, but just thinking it through, why couldn't they just do day of game testing if either team has had someone test positive Positive. in the week prior? seems like a pretty you're not using a ton more resources to do that it's not right like you're not going to have tons and tons of false positives so i don't know if i wonder if there'll be a change with that policy because it seems like maybe some of this could have been avoided but i think we also see that it's a tough thing right and and they'd done such a you know they'd had so few cases that i don't know if people got complacent but maybe they did and once you have a few it's really hard to stop. It's not hard to 
It's not hard to stop if you're in a bubble, right? We've learned this. But once it gets in there, it's it's really tough. So I think we just have to see what happens the next few days. And if it starts steamrolling, then I think probably that week 18 situation is more likely because then you start wondering, okay, maybe there's going to be more than one game that has to be moved. But otherwise, it seems like they have options to shuffle the bye weeks. And if they can tamp it down, they can tamp it down. But I just don't think anybody's sort of out of the woods yet. Week 18 is definitely happening. I wouldn't be surprised if week 19 happened. I'm sure they so then, have two two swing weeks built in there if they need them. Because the other thing is NBA won't be back by then anyway. Football can own as much as of the calendar as they want. And if they need to move stuff back one week, two weeks to get everything done, they're going to do it. What do they care? And they can it's get more, one week in without... just more money for them. Right. And they can get one week in without moving the Super Bowl. But if even if they needed to get two... They have alternate dates reserved totally. for the Super Bowl if they need them. So, right. One person who's never getting COVID is Mallory, who is like Desmond and Lost and is uh, has not seen another human being in seven I, months other than her husband. That's a, a couple of things I will observe that, um, you know, though it said quarantine on the hatch door, the hatch door does open and Desmond is exposed to the elements. Now, we'll leave all Good of the point. other details about the quarantine plotline on Lost for another podcast in another time. But, you know, don't jinx me because I'm taking it very seriously and trying to be careful, but I'm very, I'm very paranoid, as you know. Bill, I'm an asthmatic. I, I don't want to get sick. I don't want anyone to get sick. I want everyone to be healthy and happy. Mallory was you was the first person who carried around Purell that I think I've ever met way back when. Oh, you were right. you were on this earlier. Love, you were way ahead like, of your love time. A hand, love a hand sanitizer. And she, are, she are never we talking passed... about like January or are we talking about years past? Oh, we're talking like oh. mid mid 2010s. For, oh. for a couple, I don't know exactly when I started doing Something this. Wrong for with a while, for a while at the office, long before any of this, I I would uh, I had I had taken to um, trying to avoid touching doorknobs whenever I could. She would Just wipe off of... doorknobs, put her use her t shirt to open the door, and we would be like, of... "What are you doing?" She was way ahead I don't want to get sick. I, I just don't want to get sick. You know, I got a lot of work to do for you, Bill. That's how <laughs> I stay feel the same way. <laughs> I've it's only so seen a couple to... people. It's so funny to learn these things because I feel like, you know, Mallory, we seem seem normal on the surface. Yeah, we're not. Certainly not. Speaking of not normal on the surface. All right. Before we go, Mallory, best thing Mm. you've watched over the last 10 weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Best thing I've watched over the last I intentionally 10 don't weeks. prepare her with stuff like this because then she'll obsess over it and think about with it for way too long. Stuff like this, he means anything we're going to talk about on a podcast. But, yeah, stuff um, like this. Yeah, any topic, basically. <laughs> Best thing that I've watched over the last 10 weeks, Nora has actually heard me talk about this already. Um, Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra. Uh, two animated fantasy shows that take place in the same universe. Old Nickelodeon mm. shows now on Netflix. Just phenomenal, phenomenal. The world building, the character development, the the resonance of the themes, the magical creatures, shouts to Pabu and Momo. It's just great. Absolutely phenomenal. Aside from that, because I know you're not interested in discussing that with me, Bill, though I would like to. I would like to discuss it with you. I would say uh, I've been quite enjoying, <laughs> been quite enjoying the boys uh, on oh, Amazon. Chase Crawford. Oh, the deep. <laughs> Member of the Romo family. (laughs) Yeah, that's been a lot of fun. Um, 
you know, the there's boys. just been a lot of a lot of sports on lately. Do so I have my... to watch the boys? I, I've I've oh, circled yeah. it a couple times. Well, first of I've all, heard... it's very very easy to binge. I mean, it's you know, it's only what season one was eight episodes. We're that yeah. six into season two, so you can catch up in no time. It's a uh, qu- extraordinarily violent um mm. but it's a very fun very fun and provocative and subversive show about superhero culture and the grip that that has on our on our pop culture consumption in society it's it's really clever and very fun it's a lot of like exploding heads right an extraordinary number of exploding heads yes and as i mentioned on slow news day some some adults uh, consuming breast milk which is you know Ooh, mileage may vary tough. whether you find that compelling but i'm enjoying mm. it great show yes. <laughs> it's happy times in the Simmons house right now because first of all, South Park came back last night. They did a mm-hmm. pandemic episode, which my son was out of his mind about, but um, he's been binging Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which is something I've wanted for a while. And it's oh, been wow. finally happening. And it's the theme songs just on all the time in the house. And every episode I walk into, I end up sticking around for 15 minutes. And it's just nice to have all of those people in my life. I missed a lot of them. So there he's was, enjoyed that. There was recently a, a, a Fresh Prince Air Jordan 5 retro release drop. Ooh. I tried to get it, but I, I got fucked by the sneakers app, as always. Yeah, the, the bots took you down. I'm always, I forgot how many cameos are on that show that are just like so specific to that era. Like there was one show we were watching. It was just Bo Jackson just showed up. There's no real reason for it. They just like shoehorned him in. Incredible. And it was like vintage Bo before he heard his hip, Bo Jackson. Nora, what are you watching? Do you want to talk about your Instagram show? <laughs> yeah, this is great. This is a perfect setup. Okay. So there's a show on Instagram Live called Let's Fucking Date. And it's mm. phenomenal. And I love it. It's a little... So it's now it's on Wednesdays at 8.30. And it's a little tough this season. They're in the second season. So this girl named Serena Kerrigan started it in quarantine and it's just her going on Instagram live dates from her apartment. Amazing. Okay. It's incredible. It's like, so she has, you know, a producer or somebody, and she's done this all herself. Find someone. They've had a couple like Bachelor Universe people be the dates. Like, I don't know if you remember Iggy from Rachel Lindsay's season. He didn't last that long, but mm-hmm. he was on there. He mm-hmm. was a, He was one of her dates once. And so they hmm. just, because you can do the IG live, like, split screen so you just watch the live and they go on a date and they're not in the same place obviously so it's totally like socially where do they go on a date how do you go on a date if you're not on a date okay so she's like sitting on her couch she's got a a drink in her hand and this dude is like also sitting on his couch in his setup at home same situation some of them will like send her a cocktail kit or something or one of them they did paint by numbers and they'll try to make it fun but then the thing that's crazy (laughs) about it is the thing that's crazy about it is that you get all of the like weird pauses and you can see on their faces when they like something or don't like Mm -hmm. something about the other person you just get all of that like first date weird thing Mm -hmm. and in the first season she would have second dates with some of the people um, they didn't, they need to figure out how to like make it a clearer competition and, and have a winner because obviously the guys don't know each other. They just interact with her. So it's right. missing that component, but she's really funny and really like sort of aggressive in the way that you need to be in that environment. And I just, I think it's so good because it literally is like, it's like spying on people. And 
we miss that right now, right? Like nobody's going out. You don't have opportunities to like eavesdrop and gossip and be like, what are those two doing? And this is exactly that. I just get to like hit my phone and then see two people being like, so like, why are you single if like your life's going so great and what's the deal with that? And it's so good. It's like, it's a little harder. So I found this season harder because they do it. They post it the next day. But if you don't watch it live, you can't just like, I can't click into it at 9.30 p.m. on Wednesday. I either have to watch it right when it's on or I have to wait a day. And if I don't, if I can't do it right at 8.30 on Wednesday, I'm always bummed. I'm like, ah, I don't want to wait for this. So I really, I love it. I think it's so great. Wait, I have a question about that, that aspect of it, the live viewership. Like, is that, is that actually an active part of the fan experience like if you watch somebody on insta live yes. you can put comments and feedback like yes. are people in there like talking about their chemistry and the awkward pauses yes. and the quality and of their arts and crafts work she all she's like always saying to the guys she's always like don't read the comments stop look i can see you looking at the comments oh don't do God. it and they're mostly pretty good but there is there's also so after she goes on the dates and usually a standard episode is two dates but then afterwards, there's an after show. and Two dates are, with different guys in one episode. Yes. Okay, got it. So she'll do one and then the other. So we're not um, getting like two weeks of like back-to-back dates with one person. No. Like I have advanced no. to night two with Jerry and you're seeing it all at once. Mm. You're literally, okay. they spend half an hour with each other and you see the whole half hour of each of them. And I will say like, she's pretty funny. I don't think that like, it takes a specific person to keep you engaged for that long if you're literally just hearing everything that they talk about. And I think she's able to pull it off. But then afterwards, they do an after show. And there's a bunch of pretty frequent... An after show? Oh, my God. There's like frequent commenters and they'll go live with her and they'll break down the dates and they'll talk about what happened and they'll talk about like if there were, you know, friend zone vibes or if somebody said something really weird or... If um, this sounds like some, something my daughter would devour, it's so I, good. honestly, it's I can't really think of so anything good. more in her wheelhouse than this. And because here's the thing is that it's a total product of social media, right? Because there was one, um, sometimes somebody will pop up and they can just request her to be on the after show and they'll message and be like, I used to work with that guy at Macy's. Like, he's oh my not God. telling the truth. Like, let me tell you what the deal is. And then they pop oh, on no. and be like, Steve's full of it. And you learn all the different ways in which Steve's full of it. It's, it's so good. I love this show. That sounds awesome. We watched The Father, The Bride, Part 3-ish, whatever it was on YouTube. I've just... Zoom content's not for me. We're all on Zoom too much anyway. I don't need I don't need my movies to be in Zoom. I'd rather just watch old movies set in an era where we weren't on Zoom all the time. I, okay, ju- I just Insta- couldn't do it. Instagram Live, you can airplay to your television. Oh, that's good. Um, I was, I, I, it dawned on me if the pandemic never, if it doesn't slow down for the next year, mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to keep putting out movies and TV. Like I saw billions got renewed today. It's like, what are they renewing? They can't film it. What, some, what right. is, some, some productions have, have come back. I think the question is, you know, the ones that require like the, the Falcon Winter Soldier, Disney Plus, they got to go back to Prague at some point, right? To finish filming for that. Oof. Like, well, when's that going to happen? But 
so, you know, there's a lot of TV that has been made over the last stretch of time pre-pandemic that they're still going to be able to put out. It's like when that well dries before it's regenerated from the, the full return. It's going to be a hole. What's, what's the lull going to be? Yeah. yeah Let's fucking tough. date is going to be winning all the Emmys. Let's fucking <laughs> date mean, sounds amazing. Bachelorette comes back in October. Right. We're just a couple right. weeks away from Claire. Wait, which one's Bachelorette's first, then Bachelor? Bachelorette is Bachelorette first. is coming back. It, it, it's a different schedule than usual, but they are they're going to be airing it. I think it begins October thirteenth. I want to say the Bachelorette. That sounds right. Yeah, where where the COVID virus isn't the only virus you need to be afraid of. Twenty five <laughs> twenty five sleazy bachelors in they the screen. House. They screen. You know oh, they man. test. <laughs> I'm. I think that show is going to have its biggest season ever because it's going to feel relative. It's going to be like when sports came back, where it's like, oh, this feels kind of normal. When we have this, it's like a communal I mean, show. Yeah, the dates will be weird because the dates are going to be like, "Hey, let's go in the backyard," and that's going to be like a group date. Because where are they going to go? <laughs> or let's go to Santa Monica Pier. Nobody's on Santa Monica Pier. Oh, There's God. literally zero people. Like, I don't know what they do, but it'll be nice to have it back. Can't wait. We go kayaking. Kayaking. Yeah. Interesting nice idea. Nora, what, what's Boston like right now? Before we go, my dad said it's pretty depressing. A lot of it's, all the bars and restaurants are pretty much pretty yeah, much closed. Well, it's funny. I don't know. I guess I don't find it. A lot of places are closed, but a lot of places have outdoor setups. Mm. I think it's um, okay compared to this time last year. Yeah, it's super depressing. But a lot of places have rebounded um, or at least figured out ways to sort of carry on a little bit normally. Like um, some of the, it, it was a little weird, like which bars sold enough food to be able to start having Survive. outdoor things. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think people are okay. Like people seem pretty responsible. The, the infection rates are pretty low. So I think there's a lot of people just trying to take advantage of the last chunk when it's nice outside, but walking on the esplanade, you know, I, I haven't been out. I, I don't know what like the restaurant scene is like too much because I kind of steer clear, but it it seems like people are doing okay. Mm. I hope. I can't imagine the Boston bar scene without super crowded bars with drunk guys spitting all over each other as they talked. Yeah. I, I know that's been eliminated completely. Well, that was the... So, in, and this is very regional, but like in near me, um, one place, Beacon Hill Pub that I love they've figured out an outdoor situation. Um, but there's another that's, place... By the way, that's hilarious. Because Beacon, <laughs> Beacon like Hill Pub... It, no, Beacon Hill Pub is just like... <laughs> if you're not indoors, like you're not... Yeah, you're not... <laughs> the whole point of that is everyone's indoors. It's, it's You're just super sweaty and you're covered in other people's spit as they scream over whatever terrible music's playing. God. Right. And that's like... So there's a lot of places that are like that where, where I guess it's a... I just walk by and go... I'm happy that you're able to do something. I'm a little confused about how this is going to work when there's eight seats like on the sidewalk right. and that's all that we're doing here. But, um, and then some other places like just still haven't done anything. Um, but what I think everybody's just sort of like bracing for winter. Mal, I did an outdoor dinner last week with a friend of mine. We weren't within 10 feet of anyone else. It was actually kind of great. That sounds lovely. Being, I, I, being you know, yeah. rules. It felt, it felt super normal. I really enjoyed it. 
It was weird every time the waiter walked up with a mask and was like, here's your veal parmesan. Oh, oh you went, you got, mean at a restaurant? I thought you oh, went yeah. in a yard. Okay. I went to a restaurant. Yeah, it was great. We weren't within 10 feet of anybody. And it was a big enough kind of outdoor thing mm-hmm. that it, it just kind of worked. Um, it felt normal for an hour. Good. Now we're back on Zoom, which is basically <laughs> our entire lives. Uh, this was really fun. Nora, we can hear you on Sunday nights with Kevin Clark on the Ringer NFL show and on a bunch of other places when you pop up on the website, you're writing great pieces for us, all that stuff. Mallory, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're just Mallory. You're the editor in chief and uh, you have some things up your sleeve as well coming up. We'll see. Rumors, rumors of a couple more podcasts, things like that. It was good to see you guys. I am sorry about, uh, I'm sorry about Lamar. There's nothing to be sorry about. I'm really sorry about Lamar. I believe in Lamar. Lamar. I believe in the Ravens. Everything is fine. I wish you both well. I hope that you enjoy uh, the the Vikings, Texans. uh, Don't trade your best receiver bowl and all of Mm. the rest of the games. Happy (laughs) week four. Bye, Nora. Bye. All right. That's it for the podcast. Thanks to House. Thanks to Mallory and Nora. Thanks to Stu Gatz. Thanks to Spotify. We will see you on Sunday night with The Cuz. And if you're a big Rewatchables fan, we have one of my favorite movies ever coming uh, on Monday night. Stay tuned for that. We also moved the majority of the Rewatchables library to Spotify only. So if you love the Rewatchables, you can still get the last 60 days of podcasts, but then, and then a couple, couple other classics. But then if you want the entire library of 150 plus movies, go to Spotify. And that's where you can get them. See you Sunday night with the cuz. Until then. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.